Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Friday afternoon. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM 1600, KIVA, BQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. 550, 5500 right here in the Kiva. If you want to go ahead and text in this afternoon, it is a freaky Friday rant day, as Dowd puts it. Uh, don't forget, you can catch us directly on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. How about podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify? Commercial free on Dowd's great app, www.rockoftalk.chat. Well, that will be auto-detected when you type that in on April the 1st, and you'll get to download the Substack app. And uh, don't forget, And by the way, folks, we were the head of the curve on the Substack. Everyone's jumping into the Substack now, if you notice that. Uh, that's very interesting. We're celebrating our going into our third year on Substack. And don't forget, you can download our free apps with 65 great radio stations directly at rockoftalk.com. And how about watching us commercial-free on Rock of Talk TV as well. Hour one, Friday fun, D-Dowd Muska and I. And we've got Eric in the studio producing uh, as well. And uh, D-Dowd Muska, how are you? Uh, I am well. A little little warm here, Mr. Aragon. It's uh, <clears throat> The sun is up. Uh, the birds are singing. Eric's cooking behind the glass, and I'm cooking on this side of the glass. But I have my sun kissed to keep me cool. What is the temperature, by the way? Uh, the, you got a new drink. You got a new beverage. Sun kiss. Who? I'm, I'm assuming it's not Coca Cola Corporation. No, no, we, we we we're banning woke Coke in my life. We've, we've been doing yeah, that. Woke a Coke. That's exactly what it is. Uh, by the way, I'm broadcasting live from downtown El Paso, Texas. Uh, clearer heads have prevailed. They did not recommend a uh, uh, a broadcast from Echo in Mexico on the other side of the border, uh, due to they don't exactly have 5G there. They don't have the the bandwidth that they need to go ahead and get through. Uh, I did say it was rant day, and part of that rant is going to be lots of Rona to kick things off uh, here this afternoon. Uh, we haven't talked about Rona. I used to think that there wasn't a week that wouldn't go by, a day that wouldn't go by, an hour that wouldn't go by where we wouldn't be talking about uh, the Rona folks. And no, I think that's actually all shifted now. You can see the alligator. Dad was telling me a little story about the alligator behind me. An 11 foot alligator just recently consumed. Um, a man in South Florida, I guess. So uh, be careful for those alligators uh, out there. Got lots of feedback on yesterday's um, my Republican rant, raging against the Bernalillo County Republicans. Uh, boy, they're still going after each other. Uh, hard to believe. It's such a small group. And uh, we also had three people who are running for county commission. Uh, hard to believe since there's like five progressives. I guess the Republicans all decided that they wanted to all run for that uh, that seat as well. You've got a, a really good candidate in Wayne Yavoli. I just found out about about the last hour. And then uh, you've got a couple of other people who are jumping into the race that were also involved in other things in uh, Michael Eustace and Judy Young. So we need to whittle that down to one. It is a plurality. So essentially, if you get the majority or you get uh, plurality, which is essentially like 30 while everybody else gets 20, 10, 5, 2, you know, we could take that seat. But uh, apparently... Uh, we're not going to be doing that right now, so we'll see what happens uh, right there. Let's talk a little bit about the Rona, shall we, Dow? Well, let me let me set the show up, Eddie, because I we're going to get to the Rona. But okay, I, good. I've been, I've been holding my rants in all week uh, in regard to one particular issue, which really was a horrific tragedy that killed a a on duty policeman up in Santa Fe and and a retired firefighter from the uh, city of Las Vegas, New Mexico. 
And uh, I wanted to start in the first hour there, uh, work our way into Rona. Not so much Rona as something you you piqued my interest, Eddie, because you were talking about masking and and the effect on children. And there's been just in the last four or five days, some really interesting coverage of we now know conclusively just how much damage has been done to children uh, in light of uh, Rona hysteria. And a couple other examples as well. Uh, there's a deep, deep dive in, in our notes, uh, Eddie, if you get time to look at it, a fantastic look at how coronavirus hysterical reaction uh, caused the trillion dollar of inflation, whether it was borrowing, whether it was printing, uh, and how, what, what effect that has on you know Joe Sixpack. So uh, I, I mean, it's not so much Rona as it is effect of Rona hysteria. Uh, we got some rando stuff, and then we got a piece that just went up about an hour ago on rockettalk.chat. Subscribe, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 19.6 cents a day. Uh, the Fed's, the Census Bureau just came out with more granular data, and I know maybe some people's eyes glaze over this, but I, I'm fascinated by New Mexico, New Mexico history, New Mexico demographics, uh, where we've been, where where we're going, if I'm even allowed to say we, because I didn't wasn't born here, and I know the state, like a lot of other places, are very parochial. Um, New Mexico's population stagnation it'd be very simple to just pin it on, okay, there was a downturn in the oil and gas industry. Oh, Albuquerque's racked by crime. Uh, oh, this part of the state has ha- major industry collapsed and, and, and there's been people leaving that part of the state. The, 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 the stats from the Census Bureau, they just released their county, project, uh, employ, uh, empl- county population projections. They released their metropolitan statistical area population projections and their micropolitan statistical area projections for all the states, including New Mexico. So the Census Bureau had a big media day yesterday. Uh, the geeks, the wonks, people like Dowd Muska, we love to pour over this. I was doing spreadsheets last night at, at 2 a.m. And I really unpack the problem in New Mexico. It's, it'd be so simple to pin it on one thing, but we are either stagnant or losing population all throughout the state. You, you can't just point to one industry, one uh, you know, legislative district, uh, one corner of the state and say, well, that, that, that's where we're struggling. Um, the, the stagnation and really the, the backward sliding in our state is pervasive. And I'm going to walk you through the counties that are losing population, the big cities uh, that are how population is impacting that. And then the majority of our micropolitan statistical areas, we're talking about places like Silver City, uh, Roswell, even Los Alamos. And how a majority of our micropolitan areas lost population between 2020 and 2021. I'm also going to highlight some of the stats that I found from our neighbors, and this is what depresses me so much. Whenever the Census Bureau data come out, whether the whether it's population or whether it's jobs, boy, do we live in a murderer's row of growth and entrepreneurship and expectation and relocators, people who believe in Texas, people who believe in Arizona. Uh, the, U- the Utahns, of course, they're Mormons. They have a lot of babies, but a lot of people move to Utah who are not Mormons because they have economic opportunity. So uh, we come out really bad compared to our neighbors in terms of the last year of population trends. So uh, I unpack all that in a post at rockoftalk.chat today. Sorry, folks, can't give away everything. I only give away one article a month. Uh, you got to pay to uh, to get access to that article, 19.6 cents a day. That is uh, what we're looking at for the rundown of the show, Mr. Aragon. And I think maybe, I don't know, Eric, maybe we should step away because I'm going to need um, just gonna need to prepare for my, my, four, my 420 rant, and it's coming. I can feel it coming up. You do. Wow, this is exciting. This is really exciting. So we're going to let Dow take it away right after a quick break as he uh, downs some sun-kissed under a 
hot day. I'm broadcasting live from the Stanton House Hotel. A couple little quick items, uh, which is really kind of cool. Ice Cube uh, stayed here recently, so that was kind of cool. And Dowd, I sent you a bunch of photos because tomorrow is going to be the launch for Blue yep. Origin. And guess where Blue Origin stayed last night? And I sat and talked to those guys for 45 minutes this I morning. I knew you and talked to them. I knew that you could not help <laughs> yourself, that you would strike up yeah. a conversation. And I can't wait to hear the story. Yeah, so we'll get into that. Uh, we'll do that hour three as we launch in tomorrow. Pete Davidson going into space. A big nobody, but uh, he gets to be on just by virtue of, uh, I guess, who he's dating. Who knew a, a porno could turn out to be so profitable, not just for the family, but also anybody associated with that. It kills every man, woman, and child out there, but uh, apparently for the Kardashians, anybody associated with them, you get your five minutes of fame, and that seems to be pretty good. Eric will take us out. He's got all the music, uh, as always, uh, here in the Kiva. 413 here in the Kiva. Back in four on AM 1600 KIVA.BQ.FM, Rockabilly.com. Yeah, my guitar is Cadillacs, hillbill and music, the only thing that keeps me hanging on. What I could do to keep from crying. You don't have to call me Waylon Jennings And you don't have to call me Charlie Price And you don't have to call me Merle Haggard anymore Even though you're on my fighting side And I'll hang around As long as you will let me And I never mind it standing in the rain But you don't have to call me Wow, great music. Uh, 420, and we're ready for a rant here. A little, uh, boy, got to love some David Allen Co. here this afternoon in the Kiva, getting you ready for a good Friday night. And, you know, this is so such a good song that uh, Eric picked out. Um, because we got J-Cubed, as she is going to be known forever. And everyone's got their little nicknames and their little families. And you think that they're affectionate and cute, but they didn't just earn those nicknames for no reason. 
these are some of those guys, you know, whatever you call that guy that's in your family and your friendship circle is like he's always causing trouble, always wreaking havoc. And inevitably, one night you're just having too much fun on a morning, a night, on a trip, or then all of a sudden things just go wrong. And you can't wonder, figure out why these people just can't get it together. And D-Dowd Muska is going to unleash the Kraken here in yes. the four o'clock hour on the Irish Friday. <laughs> yes. Take um, it away, Dowd. Good news for criminal justice folks, but I think from the 40, 40,000 foot uh, perspective, it's actually bad news because this incident never should have happened. Yesterday, uh, the majority, I guess all but one of the nine crimes that JJ, our beloved Janine Harmio, was charged with, this train wreck of a human being, this human dumpster fire, uh, this hot mess who led to the deaths of two, uh, one current uh, police officer, one retired uh, firefighter up in Las Vegas. This was an incident Gosh, it was back on, uh, I forget the date. It was, what, a week, week, week and a half ago. This is the woman who claimed she'd been kidnapped. Um, I'm, re- I'm all compassioned out for the, for the JJs of the world, for the J-Cubes of the world, okay? This woman, well, well all right, let me, let me back up and go, go back to the beginning here. So the good news is that the, the prosecutors were successful in getting uh, these charges past a judge. All but one of the nine crimes she has been charged with, uh, a judge signed off of yesterday. The most serious of the counts against this Horrible woman. Two counts of first-degree felony murder, meaning the killings committed during the course of another felony, which is an interesting legal concept. Uh, in this case, it was aggravated fleeing of law enforcement. Uh, of course, her actions led directly to the deaths of uh, Officer Duran and retired firefighter Frank Lovato. Uh, this is back on March 2nd, I guess. So we're talking three weeks ago. So how did the DA get get this through the theory of depraved mind murder. And some of us uh, law and order aficionados from way back. I'm, I'm done with the new version. Uh, utter disregard for human life or depraved indifference to human life. She knew what she was doing, even though she may not have intended to kill someone. Uh, deaths would naturally result from such a, a horrific, horrific behavior. So the two murder charges could face up to 30 years in prison on each count. What I didn't know until I read this article up in Santa Fe, they've been, um, there's a court reporter up there named Freda, uh, what was her name? Freda something. She's, she's a pretty good, basic, just criminal justice reporter. I mean, she, she keeps plays it pretty straight. What I didn't know until this article ran uh, today was that uh, Ms. JJ was also charged with great bodily harm uh, by a vehicle to a Colorado Springs woman who suffered permanent injury to her arm after she was struck in this, you know, mashup of cars. I didn't know that there was even more victims behind, you know, beyond the two fatalities. Uh, and JJ also faces charges of aggravated fleeing a law enforcement officer, receiving or transferring stolen vehicles, bringing contraband into a jail, making a false report of a violation of the criminal code. Hey, where's Juicy Smollett? Uh, reckless driving. So she's got a whole Christmas tree there. A witness called at this hearing uh, yesterday before the judge was Jerry Chavez. He's 56. And let me tell you, this guy can pick Winners when it comes to the ladies. He testified that he had dated Jeremy, uh, JJ, J Cube, JJ, human train wreck, uh, quote, on and off for four or five years. They had been dating. I don't know that dating is the appropriate word there. I, I think I probably would use a, a different word that might not be suitable for a family program. Anyway, they had driven from Las Vegas, New Mexico, down to Santa Fe the night before, parked in an apartment complex near the interstate because there was an empty spot there and they were low on gas, you know, really, really pulling up, living their best life. Asked to describe the vehicle they traveled in, police have said uh, JJ was driving a white Chevy Malibu reportedly stolen from a Las Vegas woman who could have, who could have seen that coming. Mr. Chavez said all cars are the same to him. They look like eggs. It was pretty crowded in the back, he said, of the car. 
to me, it felt like somebody was back there. He's in a car and doesn't know whether there are more occupants in the car uh, than, than he was aware of initially. Okay, uh, he said he didn't turn around and never found out if anyone was in the car with him and his, uh, his beloved, Miss JJ. After initially balking at a question about whether they'd use drugs that night, I think we all know where this is going, and being ordered to answer by the judge, Mr. Chavez said he and uh, JJ had, quote, smoked a little bit of meth, close quote, and spent the night in the car with the intention of panhandling for gas in the morning in order to continue to Albuquerque. You know, those hard working poor people that panhandle that I see so many other drivers giving money to on the on-ramp and off-ramps, you know, you, you fools who give money to these people. No, they're just hardworking folks trying to get their life together. They're not meth heads who contribute to the deaths of people. Uh, they got into an argument, our, our paramours, our, our lovers, our Romeo and Juliet, they got into an argument the next day uh, when he discovered a pair of pants and underwear stuffed between the seats that didn't belong to him. J.J., Two time in your man. Not good. Not good. Uh, quote, I didn't want to get out because I didn't want to get stranded here in Santa Fe, Mr. Chavez said. She kept asking me to get out. And then she pulled up to some guy and asked him to call the police. This is where this uh, fabulation of she had been kidnapped. And, and, and of course, law enforcement, the average person is going to believe that if somebody calls in something like this, not knowing who you're dealing with, professional liar. Uh, JJ, I didn't want to get in trouble for anything, Mr. Chavez said. I walked away, and she drove away toward the gas station, I guess. And from there on, of course, the, the chase ensues and, and all this uh, tremendous uh, just awfulness awfulness happened. So who who is JJ? And I will give the Santa Fe New Mexican, uh, uh, again, their, their court reporter, a uh, kudos for this because she did a profile mm, just a few days ago of who this woman is and, and the person responsible for all this pain. And, you know, this is D. Dowd Musk. I don't praise public employees very often, but the fact that this was a firefighter, retired, and a, an on-duty cop, they did not have to die. Her train wreck of a life uh, cause is the sole reason for these two men dying. And I'm sure they have, you know, terrible situation with their families and, and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives and cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, public records on JJJ, Depict a downward life trajectory in recent years. That's kind of putting it mildly, Santa Fe, New Mexican. Uh, her story is one of diminishing opportunities, deepening addiction, and the commission of increasingly serious crimes, records show. Okay, so when this all happened uh, three weeks ago, uh, JJ46, uh, JJJ, J. Jonah Jameson, uh, J. Cubed, as, as Eddie would like to say, uh, 46, she's the mother of at least three children. Now, that's kind of an interesting phrasing. Uh, the reporter couldn't determine the number of children. Maybe it's more than three, but then again, who really knows? Uh, say a court authority say she feigned her own kidnapping and, and led to this this horrific accident, uh, you know, killing killing both of the current and formal former uh, public servant. Uh, they tried to talk to one of her daughters. Uh, she declined to speak about her. Absolutely not, the woman said, and she hung up the phone. Other family members, including her uh, sons, her mother, and her ex husband, attempts to reach them were unsuccessful. The attorney didn't want to talk, but give the Santa Fe New Mexican credit, they went to her Facebook account. So she's a meth head and she's robbing and she's causing accidents and committing misdemeanors and felonies. But somehow she has Internet access and she has a Facebook account. Shows her, uh, depicts her uh, with a, an electric guitar wearing Dallas Cowboys attire. I am a lot to handle. Uh, a lot, of course, one word from our JJJ. Uh, she wrote uh, in one post, number one hustler. I am looking towards a better life, she wrote in another. I'm looking for a good man who's sober. <clears throat> J-Cubed, I think you probably should be working on yourself before you're pursuing any romantic uh, encounters, but uh, let's leave it at that. March 2018, uh, JJJ wrote, I love my kids with all my heart. Um, I don't think so. As the great Dr. Laura Schlesinger likes to say, 
Love is a behavior. It's not an emotion. And if you love your children, you take care of them and you have them in stable relationships, stable environments, and you don't do methamphetamine. So uh, call me crazy. I, I just think Dr. Laura hit it, hit it really well there. Love is not an emotion. Love is a behavior. You can't say, I love you, honey, but I have to beat you, or I love you, honey, but I'm too timing you. I think J-Cube needs to know a little bit more about what actually love is. Had her first child at, age of, at the age of 17. No, no shock there. Uh, that was a boy born in January 1993. She had another child, a girl, just three years later at 20. Uh, eventually got a divorce from her husband in 2003. Early in her life, Jay Cube was really living, living very clean. She had just one criminal charge in her first few decades of life. I don't know about you folks, but in my first few decades of life, I didn't have any criminal charges. I don't remember anybody praising me. But anyway, a shoplifting count in 2005 when she was accused of stealing merchandise from a Rayleigh supermarket in Albuquerque. She pleaded guilty and received a deferred sentence of 364 days of unsupervised probation. Eight years later, things begin to really escalate for our, uh, our young woman in a hurry. In a hurry. Uh, her second shoplifting count came again eight years later. She was suspected of strolling out of a Walmart store in 2013 without paying uh, $418 worth of goods in the cart. That was around the time she started doing meth. Uh, she violated the conditions of her release from jail. Uh, she tested by testing positive for the tr- drug. Uh, you're not going to believe this, folks. Failed to make her court appearance. Uh, she uh, she failed to complete eight hours of community service and failed to appear for multiple court hearings. Uh, prosecutors uh, dropped everything, though, because their key witness, and this happens in New Mexico again and again and again, the key witness just doesn't show up or recants, and uh, the, the, case, the case just uh, fades away. So January 2014, our lovely young woman was charged with her first felony, uh, felonies, I should say, three counts of receiving or transferring stolen vehicles. An Albuquerque uh, cop reported he saw her get out of a stolen vehicle in the South Valley uh, in a home she was sharing with her children. Uh, the cop found four stolen micro, uh, mo- stolen motorcycles in the living room. Shocking. Uh, J-Cube had three children by then, or at least three children uh, we know of. <laughs> the son was also charged, so she kind of brought her, her offspring into a, a, a life of crime. Let's see, as the case was pending, she continued picking up new charges so quickly all of the charges began to overlap one another in the court system. Records indicate she also might have lost custody of her minor children to the state children, youth and families department uh, after the uh, motorcycle uh, arrest in 2015, she was accused of stealing from a JC penny store and was charged with aggravated battery on a peace officer. So she's really escalating, escalating here. Uh, Her only charge alleging a violent crime prior to the current murder case after a dramatic encounter with a police officer at a gas station. She was confronted by a Bernalillo County Sheriff's deputy. Uh, she was at the gas station. She returned the nozzle to the pump, jumped into the truck she was with, driving and tried to drive away. The criminal complaint says the deputy reported he grabbed her shirt just as the truck lurched forward and then stalled. Uh, aborted getaway there for J cubed her radio. Uh, his radio had become unclipped from his shirt and was uh, stuck in the truck. The deputy wrote. So he began punching her in the head. One would have hoped maybe some sense would have been knocked into that, but uh, into her brain, but it didn't happen. Even then, he wrote, she continued attempting to flee until he reached inside the truck, opened the door, and dragged her to the ground. Now, she had so many charges against her in, in, at the end of 2015 that she agreed to a global plea. I don't know, if you're in the criminal justice system and they're talking about a global plea, that's, you know, that should be a long, long look in the mirror when they're using the words global plea. Uh, It settled several of the cases against her. Uh, She pleaded guilty to a number of of charges. Prison sentence was one and a half years, all of which was to be suspended in favor of three years supervised probation. 
Next sentence, which is the best piece in this article. She didn't do well on probation, <laughs> court records show. Within months, her probation officer was recommending that uh, the probation be revoked. Uh, in one incident, she was at the Starbucks at the Hilton Santa Fe Buffalo Thunder Casino. Her probation officer wrote in a report that she claimed to know nothing about this incident, uh, stealing large containers of syrup and chocolate from the Starbucks. Uh, and she blamed uh, what would become uh, very commonplace for her, uh, the, the fabulation. She said she had uh, memory problems. The probation officer wrote that she is highly functioning and savvy enough to be able to feign it in a manipulative manner when it serves her personal interest. Uh, also picked up for shoplifting at a Walmart. They, Walmart. they finally revoked her probation in February 2016. And then she was promptly, of course, arrested again. She was released into an inpatient treatment at Four Winds Behavioral Health in Rio Rancho. Now, she spent 90 days there. <sighs> speculation, pure speculation on my part. Who do you think paid for 90 days of inpatient treatment at Four Winds Behavioral Health? Was it um, J-Cubed? Was it J-Cubed's family? Was it one of her many, many boyfriends? Or was it you, the taxpayer? <clears throat> Despite the 90 days in, pro, uh, in uh, rehab, her probation violations continued after her release, a different probation officer said, uh, parole and probation officer said she has demonstrated a pattern of deceit and manipulation. And this officer requested that her probation be revoked and that she be sent to prison. However, court records show she was given an unsatisfactory discharge from prob probation and ROR re re released on her own recognizance the next day. The next day, she received some traffic tickets after that, and then she almost was evicted. But I guess she got out of that by saying that her rent was 100% subsidized by, uh, you guessed it, the Bernalillo County Housing Program. That's you and me, folks, right? Uh, and the criminal activity continued into 2021, leading to this horrific incident in 2022. Even after this, this terrible accident took the lives of two men, injured a woman from Colorado Springs, authorities say she was found with methamphetamine hidden in a body cavity when she was booked into jail. That was, I, I have a sore throat from reading all that. Um, folks, I am all compassioned out for these people. I'm done, okay? I'm, my compassion reservoir has been drained, okay? We've all had it tough. Some of us have had it tougher than others. People have been abused, physically abused, sexually abused. Uh, people have depression. People have serious mental health problems. Uh, people have had hard knocks. The little redhead girl didn't love you and you loved her. You didn't get the promotion at work. Maybe you didn't have the world's best parents. People have been through the Holocaust and emerged productive citizens who've had families and, and, and lived lo productive lives and had jobs, okay? I am compassioned out with these people. My reservoir is empty. Maybe this, maybe JQ didn't have the greatest upbringing, okay? A lot of people can say that. A lot of people can say that. She was given chance after chance after chance after chance. Uh, taxpayer supported uh, compassion, if you want to call it that. I've said it many times. When does compassion become coddling? I am done with this woman and all like her. I'm all out of compassion. I'm all out of paying taxes for these people. I'm done. I'm finished. And two men are two, apparently, from what we know, very good men are dead. And a woman is permanently injured in her arm from Colorado Springs because this woman couldn't get her S together. I'm done, Eddie. I'm done. I'm all out. I got nothing left for the Janines of the world. And that is my Friday rant. All right. So very good. Um, I imagine that our listeners in the car 
I, I think we should allow them to take their collective breath as well here. Um, you know, I'm sitting here listening and trying to laugh and trying to find some level of humor and trying to find something. And I'm going to ask Eric, Eric, if you don't mind stepping in, I'm going to get his reaction first because we're just going to take Joe Q public and the analysis here. And I'm with you guys. I don't there's enough, at all. there's enough blame. Well, well, hold on. Let me set it up first. Um, I realize that you're, you're, you're ready to fire away and as you should be and as everybody else is, but the litany um, of things that have happened in addition to all the various things that have been trying to help her during this time. Uh, there has been every agency, every mental health agency, every leg up, handout, lift up, you know, carry you on that back, uh, every single possible thing. Let me tell you something about this. Uh, and then, then Eric, I want to get your reaction to everything that you just heard. And I also want to get our caller's reaction to this because this story can only happen in one place in the entire country, and that is New Mexico. You cannot save New Mexico as long as you continue to aim. This woman is the poster child for every single thing that ails this state. The reason why this stuff doesn't happen in Texas where I'm at, it doesn't happen in Arizona or Utah or Colorado or Oklahoma or any of these places. And this has everything to do with the disgusting leadership politically. Moreover, it has everything to do with the disgusting party that has led the state, and that's the Democrat Party, who has enabled and coddled and pursued these people. This woman shouldn't be allowed to vote. She should be in a straight jacket, hung by her toenails, upside down, in a public forum. And if we still had public hangings, I would be the first person there to sit there and watch it, while every single public official gets to stand in the public square and watch her hang for what she's done. And they should be responsible ultimately for what she has become, which is ultimately her own suicide and death. Look at this. This woman has no feeling. She's a total uh, pathological anything. I mean, it doesn't matter. She would be that pathological uh, anything. And, and I just have to say, the blood isn't on the hands of her. You can't save a woman from stupid. The blood is on the hands of every political leader, every judge who's ever seen her, every physician and psychiatrist and psychologist and social worker who has ever seen her, uh, every single person who has ever allowed the drug um, culture to prevail here in this state, that is ultimately who's responsible here because this woman obviously cannot be responsible for herself. And to add insult to injury, to realize that this woman continues to get benefits from the state of New Mexico to pay for her rent, her food, and she ends up in places like casinos where she's taking, of all things, syrup from a Starbucks? Uh, the woman doesn't have any kind of feeling whatsoever, and, and this woman has three children. Her children should be available for adoption immediately. Someone needs to go and save those children. And whatever people have hatched this or spawned this uh, unbelievable alien onto us, they should find her, her family lineage from top to bottom, and it, it should all be destroyed. In addition to every person who has elected uh, this. I mean, this whole thing for the that results in the death of both a cop and a firefighter could have all been prevented umpteen times up until that point. And Dowd, I think we should take this another level for J-Cubed or JJ or whatever we want to go ahead and call this uh, uh, spawn of Satan. 
I think what we should do is plaster this woman absolutely everywhere and make any woman, any person who has ever touched this as responsible as she is for the deaths of both the firefighter as well as the police officer, because they have all had a hand in making sure that both of those men who are serving our community uh, also uh, met their untimely deaths. Uh, Eric, I'll let you uh, go ahead and take a thwack at that. All right. Well, I was, I'm kind of like you, Eddie. It's, you know, the ridiculousness, ridiculousness of all these situations, it's, uh, it's not funny. I laughed, but it's really not funny. And, uh, you know, I see these people all the time in Albuquerque and hard to miss them. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you can judge a book by its cover because we've seen this so much around here. And it reminded me of the daily blast opening quote about to forgive and to forget is to throw away a hard learned lesson as a paraphrase, right? Now, I mean, some people don't like that Schopenhauer quote. I think it's very wise. I think it's very apt. I think it just, I think you were, your rant is inspired by that, by that <laughs> quote. It seems maybe. like. Maybe. Listen, I, you know, we've, we've gone through the, the, the psychology of the liberal, the psychology of the conservative, the psychology of the libertarian. Liberals care about compassion and fairness uh, to the exclusion of all other moral precepts. But, and I don't want to live, I'm fine with living in a world without fairness. I think fairness, as Dr. Drew said recently, is, is something five-year-olds are concerned with. There have been people who've shown me compassion in my life, maybe even at times when I didn't necessarily deserve it all that well. When you're a screaming toddler, you might not deserve it, but you're always, most of the time, shown, shown compassion. Um, when does compassion become coddling? Again and again, you've got multiple uh, filings from these parole probation officers that most recently, I guess, was in 2016. Uh, you know, she is a, basically a liar and all her probation should be revoked and should be, she should be sent to prison. You, you got to find her. every one of those people. Yep. Dowd. You yep. have to find, I think we need to go through her entire history and I guarantee that these, these aren't the last of them. These people get paid off and I don't care if they're judges, parole officers, uh, people who have every place that she's ever rented, landlords that have allowed her to stay. You know, it, it's time that we start victimizing the people who are the perpetrators and it's every enabler that's out there. There is no world of fairness uh, when we have a completely uh, bleeding heart world all the time. And is it any wonder that, you know, there isn't some random people that's out there murdering homeless people, that there isn't some random person out there who's just uh, deciding to go ahead and beat the living, you know what, out of people like this? Mm -hmm. I think this, uh, I'm not going to say this justifies it, but I think that adds a certain level of insight because when you have police officers and when you have law enforcement, we have various other entities that have all had a hand in this. And then it results in the death of people who are serving and gave it a life for a woman who doesn't even deserve her name to even be said. I'm telling you, this this story could only exist in one place in America, and that is New Mexico, ladies and gentlemen. This is why people are picking up and leaving. This is why people, is this a place where you want to raise your children? To know that you can go into a Starbucks and run into filth like this? I mean, I, I've, I've seen some, some egregious things in, in, in my time, but when you go off and you rattle off that very impressive list of the number of things that have happened during that time, she doesn't deserve any kind of level of understanding. She deserves what everything that's going to happen to her in prison and then some. Uh, and not to bring it back to my personal bugaboo, but uh, when you give money to panhandlers, ladies and gentlemen, you're giving to 
potential yes. JJJ. Exactly. Okay. And you think you're being compassionate. If you are exactly. enabling these people to continue to be in society and not yep. face some kind of reckoning in rehab, in prison or whatever, you are not helping. You are not compassionate. You are setting yourself or someone else up to be the next officer Duran. Okay. Uh, this could, that's the re- truly scary thing about this because Ukraine is a thousand miles away and sub-Saharan Africa is a bloodbath and Venezuela is a mess and the Rohingyas are being abused in, in Myanmar. We, we can all just sort of wave our hands. There's no reason why you couldn't have been in one of those cars that was impacted. Uh, it, it is scary when you think about the reality of this. Yeah, we, we need to go ahead and do a follow-up on this and take this in depth. This needs to be a campaign uh, message for a governor uh, congressional candidate, uh, you know, anything. It needs to be something that uh, the Republicans need to be seizing upon. And, and we need to make this absolutely political because if you don't make this political and see how this case study, and, you know, I don't know how many times I remember being in college where we did got into a case study, an in-depth, or as you phrase it now, deep dive into something and where you started understanding something that happened as a microcosm of every other thing that's impact. There's movies written about this. I remember a movie with uh, Matt Dillon. It was about all these various things that happened and they all came into an interplay and all jaunted essentially by one thing. The one thing is what created... Yeah, there you go. Crash. Everything just basically confers and you see this if that one thing would have been prevented and if that's something... Uh, could have prevented it uh, from happening, then all these other things wouldn't have inevitably happened. We need to prevent these things because I'll tell you, there's way too many stories uh, like this that are going to continue to happen here in the state of New Mexico, and it's time that we do something about it. 550-5500, that's 550-5500 if you want to go ahead and text in uh, here this afternoon. Love to get your comments. Uh, I'm going to jump off here for a second. Uh, I think we're going to have Eric uh, take us out, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap the hour right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, BQ.FM, So many times, folks, we try to find the humor and the laughter and something like this, but this is one of the most unfunny, uh, strange occurrences that has happened here in our state. I don't mean to be hyperbolic or over-exaggerate, but I, I got to tell you, just getting inundated with all the levels that you were talking about, Dowd, boy, um, you know, how many times could this woman have been stopped and now an officer and a firefighter are dead, not to mention... Defenders of your freedom.
reminding her of what she said. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. Can't you see you're in my way now? Don't you know you're never Here in the Kiva, I'm Eddie Erdogan, the Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM. Um, an earth shattering report, Dowd, thanks for doing that. Uh, right behind, I think, is exactly why Eric put that song out there. It was uh, See You Later, Alligator, After a While, the Crocodile, on that whole thing. But, you know, the comments that are coming in, um, some of them are, well, a lot of expletives, and people aren't very happy at all. And uh, it's just one of those things that uh, you know. Can, can you read any of them, Eddie? Or <laughs> um, I'd rather not. I'd okay. rather just kind of just kind of leave them there. They're as bad as that, and then some. But it's just it's just one of those things. Like this report. I mean, talk talk about you know talking about why why we shouldn't continue to enable and have this understanding. This is why now I've been constantly advocating. Like I'm all about legalizing absolutely everything. But the last thing that we should do is rehabilitate anybody. Mm -hmm. And I don't have exactly a soft spot, uh, and I know they. Uh, during my mayoral run, they love to have a lot of fun with me, saying that I was homeless or things like that. Like, look, folks, you you need to pay attention to the people as to why they are homeless and they're on the streets. Um, there's not a homeless pe uh, problem here in El Paso. There's a lot of homeless people who are homeless because they either choose to be, which there's a little bit of that, and there's a lot of people out there who don't have a good support system, the people behind them, and they know where to get the help, but they don't want to get the help. And uh, you see the things. I don't care what type of psychological issues this person has. Uh, innocent people who have been uh, signed up to help our community don't deserve to have their lives because we haven't figured out a way to handle these types of people. And a lot of this uh, lies on the have. Uh, in the hands of our judicial system, which has uh, decided not to have uh, any sort of punishment towards these people. If we would have punished these people, if there were actually consequences for the actions that these people have taken and putting them in jail, then something would have definitively happened to this woman, which would have changed her course. But there never at any point was there a point at which she had to account for what she did now. Uh, absolutely. And it just flashed over the over the break, just flashed through my mind. One of my favorite quotes of, of all time by a modern day philosopher. We don't really talk about philosophers of, of the current era, but I, I think his name is Joshua Halberstam. He's at, I think, City College in New York or City University of New York. Uh, it just struck me when I read it years ago, and it just hit me right down to the, what did uh, Colonel Kurt say, like a diamond bullet going right into my brain? When you refuse to judge someone, you refuse to take that person seriously. And who, who has been, in, in the entire state of New Mexico, who has been taken less seriously than this human dumpster fire, this human train wreck, as she's been uh, 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 perpetuating this escalating series of self-destructiveness and then hurting of others culminating in the deaths of two what appear to be very good men uh, and it just as, as I said just as easily could have been you could have been me we have ever since you know the 1960s if not even earlier in America the worst thing you can say about someone is that they're judgmental they're so judgmental uh, we need a lot more judgmentalness in our society and maybe if somebody had exercised good judgment at any stage along this multi-car train wreck that is this human being. Um, if somebody had judged her as a real human being who was accountable for her actions, 
something could have changed. Something, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of pain out there. There's a lot of mental health. It sure as heck didn't get better the last two years when we all were cowering at home or some of us or a lot of us, not me and probably not most of our of our listeners. But that is a powerful quote. Uh, Eric, I might even make it tomorrow's quote uh, in the Daily Blast. When you refuse to judge someone, you refuse to take that person seriously. Nobody took uh, JJJ seriously and thus two good men are dead. That's, that's where no, I am. No doubt about it. Uh, we'll hit the top of the hour news uh, here. Hour two, set us up, Dowd, uh, here on this uh, Friday that I was hoping was going to be a lot of fun. But uh, to muddle through that, i got to tell you, um, that's a hard thing. I would I would love to see sort of the whole ride out of that. I don't know if that's even possible. But sure, sure. if we could see that um, so that everybody understands what that is, then I think uh, hopefully some candidates out there can leverage that and really you know turn the screws in on the liberals uh, for being responsible for remember this is the woman who probably has showed up to absentee vote who's probably showed up to vote i want her voting history i want to know everything that i possibly can about mm-hmm. this woman mm-hmm. who enabled her and who helped her and i think that would be good so i know we got some rona up in the next hour don't we yeah we do have some rona and it's sort of rona fallout and i think uh, you parents need to really tune into this uh, as we know we've got you no know, we've got a lot of parents who are concerned about what's happened to their kids in the last couple of years so we're going to look at the inflation disaster because of coronavirus hysteria and then the impact on children and we're going to look at a tiny island deep in the north atlantic that did not adopt lockdowns and uh, i'll leave it up to you to decide uh, how they fared in terms of the stats with rona all right we'll do that right after the break Thanks, everybody, for tuning in right here into the Kiva. AM 1600 KB, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Hour two coming at you from the ABQ and El Paso, live from the Stanton House Hotel here in downtown El Paso. Audi Arco Super. Albuquerque's macro aggression. 505 and the 505 right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, BQ.FM, rockertalk.com, 550-5500. I don't think I was ready here for the 505 and the 505 because I'm in the 915 this afternoon. So that's why you hear a little bit of a different sound coming as I'm broadcasting live from the Santon House Hotel uh, here where Blue Origin was. I sent out a bunch of texts this morning, so many photos. I know that he was very proud as they make the trek in their electric trucks uh, towards Van Horn for the big launch into space uh, tomorrow. They were all staying here and had a good opportunity to visit with them. We'll talk about that during hour number three, commercial free, you and me. The Dow always makes three in the Dow 3000. And that's we'll get to that. Don't forget, you can catch us directly on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, as well as Apple TV, Amazon Fire. I mean, I got to say, for all the things that you say about Amazon, to be a Prime member and to actually get the Rock of Talk as part of your Prime membership, pretty incredible. So all you have to do is just uh, search the Rock of Talk there. Apple TV, that's free. Thanks for those of you who are giving us uh, four and five stars on both the Fire TV and the Apple TV. Don't forget, folks, uh, we play this uh, the stream 24-7. We have gone past, if you can believe it, five terabytes officially. Yesterday was our biggest day of rockoftalk.tv and I'm going to be uploading a bunch of videos that I've made and I'm going to start having like these little assortments with commercials of me visiting and uh, visiting with advertisers, visiting with people and we're going to just insert those and let those play. You never know what's going to be uh, on there. No programming, you're just kind of getting a community through the Rock of Talk and don't forget ladies and gentlemen, you can catch us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. You won't get any of the annotations. The only place to get the annotated notes, the links, stuff that you can share uh, by email or maybe you want to tell your friend Betsy by phone. Who cares? 
uh, as long as you're not having to share it all on social media. We've uh, asked and urged you, uh, especially after what we heard yesterday, just get off of social media. There's no need for it uh, whatsoever. This is your social media, the Rock of Talk TV and the Rock of Talk com. And don't forget, become a subscriber for 19 cents a day at Rock of Talk Chat. I think now, after you uh, made mention, I noticed something. There were four or five people who responded to your questions, so they really seem to like that. So let's get one more person responding to the uh, five questions uh, as we have in the 505 uh, that Dow puts out every single day. We're going to get a Rona update uh, this hour, amongst some other things. Dow, set us up. Uh, Rona fallout. Uh, Eddie, it concerns me. I'm pretty sure it concerns you that... Uh, that wonderful indie picture of Indiana Jones substituting Russia for coronavirus uh, in Temple of Doom. People put a picture up where he takes the idol off and instead they put pictures of uh, we're removing the coronavirus uh, uh, germ and we're, we're replacing it with Russia. Uh, we can never, I mean, uh, you know, I don't mean to make light of people who were held in concentration camps, but that phrase never forget. We can never, ever allow uh, people to forget, or at least the majority of Americans to forget what happened over the last two years and how uh, incredibly incompetent and stupid and greedy and selfish and narcissistic. Uh, can I think of any more uh, adjectives? The, the, the Fauci's and the. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, you know, what they did to us. And, and Eddie asked a question yesterday about the latest, some of the latest data on the kiddos. And uh, we all love our kiddos. And I'm the world's biggest misanthrope. And even I like children. So. I said I hated children my whole life until I was 31 and then I became an uncle and I became a blithering idiot around the baby. So um, if, if a child can even melt the heart of D-Doubt Muska, I mean, you know, you've got to have a big, big problem if you don't like children. I was going up and down the uh, hallway and even got into the elevator telling complete strangers that I had just become an uncle. Uh, as Eddie, Eddie would know, um, I do not speak to complete strangers. It's, it's hard to get me to talk to you if we know each other. Never mind uh, complete strangers. So we, we love the kiddos. And it's been, uh, I'll brag a little little brag more from rockoftalk.chat, the most clicked on, the most read piece we did, uh, piece of research we did, was an investigation into the masking of children in New Mexico's government schools and what an absolute disaster that was and how wrong Michelle Lujan Grisham was uh, to continue to mandate that. So we're going to kick off uh, right here with a, a study that is probably not exactly organizations that uh, I pay a lot of attention to, <clears throat> given um, their origins, but the World Bank, UNESCO, and UNICEF, some of our wonderful international uh, entities uh, associated with uh, the United Nations. I actually went to college, uh, lived in a dorm across the street from the World Bank for my freshman year in D.C., saw a lot of bureaucrats going in and out of there. New study, uh, it's been called shocking, the Federalist calls it, the, the data coming out of the study, shocking data. What we know for certain, and we've known for a long time, what we've known since the summer of 2020, maybe even late spring of 2020, uh, there was plenty of data showing that school closures were causing more harm than good. Uh, many countries took that data, and very early on, uh, so even some of these places you think are you know, socialist utopias, Denmark, Finland, France, uh, reopened their schools fairly quickly. Uh, the United States uh, generally did not, and deep, deep, deep. Blue states like New Mexico, <clears throat> just don't get me started. So, again, I'll say it. World Bank, UNESCO, UNICEF commissioned this study. Uh, they found an average of 224 days of non-classroom instruction uh, in the countries that they examined. And uh, the details of what they found, some pretty, pretty gross stuff. For example, in Brazil, Sao Paulo, uh, students learned only 28% of what they would have, uh, would have learned in face-to-face Classes, the risk of dropout in, uh, drip, dropping out increased more than three 
fold. Uh, in a rural section of India, the share of grade three students in government schools able to perform simple subtraction fell from 24% to only 16%. Uh, even in, in a number of developed nations, uh, including our own, land of uh, what used to be the free, uh, they, the youth faced a devastating learning loss. A curriculum and assessment company called uh, Amplify found that in kindergarten, the percentage of students at greatest risk for not learning to read rose. These were the most at-risk kids. Uh, rose from 29% in the middle of 2019-2020 to 37% uh, in the middle of the following year. Uh, achievement gaps among racial groups. This is something the left is really really obsessed with. And of course, what we know, those of us who study education policy know that it's not an achievement gap. It's a parenting gap. Uh, if you are black or Hispanic or Native American and you have a good home life, your scores are pretty, pretty, pretty good. If you have a chaotic and insane home life, no matter what your race are, it's not going to help you achieve in the classroom. So leaving that issue aside, <clears throat> it's hard for me to read some, some of these articles. Sometimes they treat things very simplistically. Uh, the research showed that on reading, about 48% of black grade one students are far behind 43% of Hispanic grade one students compared to uh, only 27% of white grade one students. Uh, if you're in the higher grades, not that much better. A nonprofit testing company reported that the median students in grades three through eight uh, were nine to 11 percentile points, not percent, percentile points behind in math and three to seven percentile points behind it in reading. Uh, this nonprofit estimated that a nine to 11 percentile point decline in math achievement, if allowed to become permanent, would represent a $43,800 loss in expected lifetime learning. Uh, beyond just achievement, just in terms of your child's health and safety, uh, close to 400 million kids worldwide missed out on school meals during closures. Uh, Obviously, in poorer countries, it's it's much more important than a wealthy country like ours. But uh, which some countries that those school meals are the only reliable source of, of nutrition. The extended school closures also put a quote estimated ten million more girls at risk of early marriage in the next decade and an increased risk of dropping out of school. Yeah, uh, the report concludes, and again, this is what the WHO, the uh, UNESCO, and UNICEF. So probably not organizations I have a lot of common ground on, but the report concludes that reopening schools should be every country's, quote, highest priority, close quote, because, quote, the cost of keeping schools closed is steep and threatens to hamper a generation of children and youth while widening pre-pandemic disparities. These are international entities doing this. Uh, there's, I'll just throw a couple of quick, uh, from a different article, a couple of quick more uh, findings. I mean, it's just it's just so so clear. Uh, two researchers at the research organization NWEA reported that student achievement at the start of the current school year was lower than for a typical year: three to seven percentage point decline in reading, nine to eleven percentage point decline in mathematics. An NBER, National Bureau of Economic Research. Oh, I have a million of PDFs of those on my computer. Uh, study released in November of 2021. They looked at recent test scores across 12 states found passing rates declined by 14.2 percentage points on average in math, 6.3 percentage points in English language arts. Uh, it's interesting because we knew how bad this is because uh, they cite previous research going back uh, well before uh, the coronavirus. One of them appeared in the Journal of Labor Economics, analyzed the effect of teacher strikes in Argentina on students' long-term outcomes. The kid, kiddos were out of class. So the authors found that experiencing the uh, average number of days of strikes during primary school 
reduced labor earnings of males uh, and both males and females. Uh, A paper in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, analyzed data on school shutdowns, found that missed instruction in the United States could be associated in terms of the mental and psychological and health effects could be associated with an estimated 13.8 million years of life lost. And to once again reiterate, we knew early on the kiddos were at the least amount of risk, least, least, least. As of the first week of March 2020, so this is uh, brought up right to the current era, out of the nearly 950,000 COVID-19 deaths, only 800 And 65 were children under the age of 18. That amounts to about 433 children annually. That is comparable to a bad flu season in the United States. For example, our beloved CDC uh, estimated that the actual number of flu flu deaths for children in the 2017-2018 winter season was about 600. And I believe 600 is uh, more than 433. Final point on mental health. It was obvious very, very early on that mental health was severely impacted. Uh, CDC report released uh, way back in November 2020, eons ago, uh, researchers noted that the proportion of mental health related visits uh, over the six month period, I guess, April to October 2020, for both children 5 to 11 and 12 to 17 had increased by approximately 24 percent and 31 percent, respectively. Uh, Again, the CDC followed up with a different report. Let's see, found that emergency emergency department visits due to suspected suicide attempts, uh, that's pretty serious, were 51% higher among girls, 12 to 17, uh, year over year in comparison to the previous period. Uh, among boys aged 12 to 17, suspected suicide attempts were up by 4%. So obviously a much bigger, 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 bigger uh, impact on girls. Claims for intentional self-harm. This was a report released by an insurance uh, entity uh, last year. Claims for intentional self-harm as a percentage of all medical claims between the ages of 13 to 18 were 90.7% higher early in the pandemic. The authors of the research noted that claims for generalized anxiety disorder, not not as severe as self-harm, but still serious enough, increased by 93.6% over the same time. Boy, we've taken care of our children really well the last two years, haven't we? <clears throat> Unbelievable, Dowd. Uh, every single category that you mentioned there uh, just got worse, uh, top to bottom. I mean, the, you know, I, I know I put the question out there yesterday, and we think that we're turning the corner by helping the kids and not allowing them to get infected or wearing the masks. or But we're starting to realize that there's a whole other level of psychological issues here. I mean, issues that people need to address and they are probably inevitably going to address them as their children get older. You know, children are evolving from four to six is one stage, from six to about nine is another stage. And then they get that prepubescent stage, about nine to 11, nine to 12, where they start coming into their own individuality. And then 12 to 15, I mean, masking, vaccine, not seeing their friends, not being able to have normal social interactions in a way that they have, uh, uh, you know, normally they have been able to do through um, a lot of, you know, environment, uh, what, what is it, uh, 
DNA modification that happens, you know, there's that passing on to the next generation that we inevitably inherit. I mean, we have now morphed and changed that now. So, you know, the way that you grew up as a nine to 11 year old is not the way that your child who grew up over the last two years during that time, nine to 11 years old grew up. So these are things that we have to pay attention to. Um, and I think it brings up a whole new level of psychology, not seeing each other's faces. I think, I mean, I'm gonna leap here. So go with me on this, but I mean, I think we should probably try to understand, you know, how Muslim cultures uh, where women have to cover their face, uh, places where feelings have been suppressed, uh, what that has a tendency to do over time uh, in terms of creating sort of a hyper masculine or hyper feminine type of culture where individuality is not rewarded. Uh, that, of course, having to be probably the biggest aim of capitalism is the, uh, the ability for you to separate yourself in terms of what's your capital, what you can attain, and then what you can become. Uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of, of property, a.k.a. happiness, is what we've had. I think that goes away down. I think that just goes away entirely because everyone is going to be doing something that is irrational. Remember, when we think about economics, we think about people, people will become rational actors, always do what's in their own best interest. You cannot tell me that someone who's putting on a mask or getting a vaccine is doing it for their own best interest. And when you have something, somebody who's doing something to themselves, like taking needles or doing this, it finally gets to a point where you're starting to have this, uh, I don't want to say existential angst, but angst, uh, if you will, where uh, they're wondering why they're doing this. Why did I decide to harm myself? Why did I decide to go ahead and cover my face? Am I ugly? I'm, I mean, the questions just kind of start going down the slippery slope and you inevitably get to this point where you start questioning who you really are, what you really are through that behavioral modification. So from five to 12, which is that range of children that I just covered, by the way, I did four to six, six to nine, nine to 11 and post pubescent or uh, pubescent uh, children. You know, there is a things that are happening to those kids psychologically as they evolved that you got the advantage of that they did not. And it is going to impact them. Dare I say it increased drug and alcohol abuse. Dare I say um, stranger, weirder uh, lifestyle choices, uh, transgenderism. I don't know homosexuality, yep. uh, choosing things that I think are against, uh, you know, sort of our natural uh, uh, inclinations to propagate the species. I mean, I don't need to whip out a Bible to tell you that homosexuality is wrong. I don't need to whip out a Bible to tell you that transgenderism is wrong. Uh, inevitably, it is. These are has become because we've started to bring some of these behaviors into and, and normalize those things. And, you know, when you start removing individuality, uh, people start becoming whatever the hell they want. And that is not a good thing. You think you're advancing things, you're actually going back in time and making things even worse. We're sort of devolving uh, through all of this. And I don't think that, you know, I get these hateful uh, texts and hateful things that people say that I'm you know, uh, anti-homosexual. It's like, I'm not anti-homosexual. I'm not anti-transgender. I'm not anti-anything. I'm pro-me. And if pro-me negates you, you're the one with the problem. And I think we need to get back to that point because I think people should be able to pursue whatever it is they want to. Um, but you all, you should also uh, suffer the consequences of whatever your choices happen to be. Again, I think we can go back to the point about rehabilitation. We've done this to your, our children. Should there be rehabilitation for their children? No, not if you're the parent and you allowed your child to go through this and you decided to do this to your child. If you decide to vax your child and something should happen to them, it's not the state's responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility. You decided to listen to them. They're not going to go ahead and bail you out. 
they were baking money off of your deaths. That's what was happening in these hospitals, folks. $40,000 a pop. Remdesivir with the vent dead in five to seven days, folks. That's exactly what was happening. And you made that choice by deciding to get into your car and going to get help because you think that you were going to go get saved from COVID. And so many of you did not too. And let's let's not forget the last thing, of course, of course all this, the most dehumanizing things of all which is those people who had to die alone. You know, that's the thing that is etched in my brain yeah. more than anything else, Dowd. I think everybody yeah. should have a loving family, friends, relatives around them when they died. And, you know, all these people who said that we care about you, we want to do these things to you. So we're going to give you the shot. We're going to give you the mask because we care. Oh, to hell with that. I think we have uh, we have now come out on the Victoria side, and I'm happy to spike the football in their end zone on all of this, Dowd. Big, big time. And, and, and in compiling the, all this research, and believe me, I could, Eddie, I could have gone on for another hour reading the, the research, just, just highlights of the research that's come out about what's been done to children. And I can't help but think I, I spent 11 years in northern New Jersey, just outside Manhattan, <clears throat> driving uh, two and a half hours, three hours, sometimes five hours one way to, to, to go take care of my nephew for the first 11 years. Uh, the child is raised with every possible, every, I mean, he and all of his uh, friends there it is at, at his Waldorf school raised with every possible advantage you can imagine. I won't even say how much the damn tuition is. Uh, you know, he in the summers, he would go to 3D printing camp and chess camp and sailing camp. Uh, he has his own golden retriever. Both of his parents are in the home uh, until very recently. He had all of his he had all four of his grandparents alive. Uh, he had the world's greatest uncle for the first 11 years of his life. Contrast the kids who live in that environment. And, and I knew a lot of his you know, friends at school and I was around for his eighth grade graduation and hopefully I'll get back for high school graduation uh, next spring. I, 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 contrast those kids who have every advantage of the world and I would not want to take anything away from them. Those parents of those kids earned every dollar they got. Yep. They're all Northeast moon bats and we don't agree on anything. Uh, but they, those people work. They are getting the decamp bus to go into Manhattan every morning at 6 a.m. When a lot of uh, people who are considered, you know, that's the salt of the earth are just collecting welfare checks. Those people work hard. The hardest working people, Eddie, I've ever met have been rich people. I hate to break it to you uh, populists out there, but that's just the way it is. The little girl who uh, had, the, had the crush and for all I know still does on my uh, nephew uh, spends every summer in Europe with her grandmother, takes her to Europe. I mean, these kids have every advantage in the world. They are the least impacted from lockdown uh, in, New, in a place like New Mexico, consistently ranked rock bottom in child well-being. 70% of the kids in New Mexico come into their life on Medicaid. They come in, they enter life on welfare. What has this done to the kids that have nowhere near those advantages? Great segment, Dowd. I appreciate you. And when we return, what's up next? What's after the breakdown? We'll be talking inflation, something we all probably know a little bit about. <laughs> yeah, we certainly do. 525 here in the Kiva, broadcasting live from the Stanton House in El Paso, Texas. I'm Eddie Aragon. This is Dowd Muska. Back and forth. Thanks for listening. But when Pierre found work, the little money coming worked out well. This is Eddie Aragon for Axiom Home Services. Axiom Home Services specializes in refrigerated air conditioning conversions. Time to ditch the swamp cooler and convert to cool, refreshing, refrigerated air. Did you know Axiom Home Services is one of the highest rated AC companies in Albuquerque with over 40 years experience and provides a five-year parts and labor warranty on any new refrigerated air conditioning installation? Axiom Home Services maintains 4.9 stars on Google Review and check out what our customers say about Axiom. Call 792-9742. That's 792-9742. 
or axiomhvac.com. Music is the great communicator on makeusgodlyagain.com. Sometimes we just need a pick-me-up. Makeusgodlyagain.com. Hi, this is Ava, and I love sitting on the Monroe's patio just enjoying some chips and salsa. And I'm Stella. I love the fresh air. And enchiladas and tacos. Hey, Grandpa, what about the fresh air? Ooh, and some red or green chili with a cool beverage. And the fresh air? Oh, Grandpa, this is the best meal. It is delicious. Hey, guys, what about the fresh air? And And what what about about the fresh fresh air? air? We are going to Monroe's in the Heights and downtown. Directions at chili.theplaceilike.com. S3 Technologies, security service solutions. Security, a variety of security for cloud, perimeter, network, server, and email. S3 Technologies' proactive approach to information technology management provides a secure and reliable platform that allows you to focus on your business instead of the management of your IT infrastructure. S3 Technologies, years of expertise keeping your company up to date with a watchful eye and flexible solutions to manage your environment efficiently, safely, and securely. You'll never know how efficient you can run your business until you talk to S3 Technologies. Make an appointment to get a roadmap and risk assessment of what steps you can take to secure your business. Turn your business into secure growth in 2022. S3 Technologies, 505-242-5683. 505-242-5683. S3 Technologies, online, s3nm.com. The market is flooded with health supplements that claim benefits in memory, but virtually none offer credible evidence with their products working until now. Memory Revitalizer 800-606-0192. This potent natural formula was invented by a neuroscientist and physician. Memory Revitalizer slows aging, improves memory, increases energy, gives robust stamina. It has been used in an Alzheimer's clinic for 18 years. It is safe. It does not interact with other prescription drugs. Two large blinded studies confirm the benefits in memory capacity. Customers say it's wonderful. It works. It's essential. Buy it from Best Buy Pharmacy, Manal Pharmacy, and other independent pharmacies. Or purchase it from Moses Country Store and other independent health stores. Or go to MemoryRevitalizer.com. MemoryRevitalizer.com or 800-606-0192. MemoryRevitalizer.com or 800-606-0192. Hi, this is Mark Minicucci with the Minicucci Insurance Agency. We are privately held and locally owned. We market property and casualty insurance products and risk management services primarily to a variety of companies located within New Mexico and the surrounding states. We are able to meet the needs of a large international company as well as small local businesses. We employ the best and brightest agents to ensure that our customers are well taken care of. Call us today at 883-3683. 883-3683. Don't get caught unprepared to defend yourself. I'm Keith Cope with VigilantFirearms.com. We provide calm, safe, and effective training for concealed carry or any other gun training classes. VigilantFirearms.com, 312 You can never know what it's like. Your blood like when a freeze is just like ice. There's a cold and lonely night that shines from you. You'll wind up like the wreck you hide behind that mask you use. And did you think this fool could never win? 
Well, look at me, I'm coming back again. I got a taste of love and a simple way. And if you need to know why I'm still standing, you just fade away. Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did? Looking like a true survivor, feeling like a little kid. Picking up the pieces of my life without you on my mind. I'm still standing. My kids love Elton John. 531 here in the Kiva. The M600 KIV ABQ.FM. We'll get to inflation and what's Sir Elton? What, uh, 73? Going to be 74 years of age. All the great ones, including him, and I don't care about his lifestyle, but I love his music. And in fact, my ringer, when it rings out, is uh, Crocodile Rock, which <laughs> is one of, the, one of the better songs out there. Inflation going through the roof. Uh, the cost of everything hasn't never been higher. Uh, than it is over the last 40 years than it is right now. Uh, you guys have Joe Biden to thank for that. Good job on you Democrats for deciding to go ahead and vote him in, or I guess if you cheated the election, depending upon what narrative you is, uh, you're following. Um, I gotta tell you, it's a pretty ridiculous what we're paying for everything. Energy prices, I think I went categorically across the board earlier in the week. We were seeing everything from 30 to 60% uh, inflation. A lot of things that you seemingly aren't really paying attention to. Suddenly your bill is higher here, your phone is higher, travel's higher, gas is higher, everything's higher. And uh, you're not making any more money. Uh, for all the people who are whining, bitching, and moaning about the increased minimum wage, it just all got soaked up, you idiots. So there you go, folks. Uh, you don't know the first thing about economics and doubts here to shine some more light on inflation and the pressures uh, that are happening. Yeah, Eddie, I would, I would simply defer to the great Jeffrey Tucker, uh, a man I've exchanged some, uh, some e- emails with over the years. Uh, he's been just dynamite on, uh, on, on Rona lockdowns and actually started an organization called the Brownstone Institute. Uh, and you, you can check him out at brownstone.org. Great great group. Uh, he's got a deep, deep dive on inflation and we're not going to read every part of it because it goes on forever. But I think this is maybe the best thing I read this week because he, it's so rich, Eddie. And I'm, I, I'm probably What's the guy's gonna, name again? Jeffrey uh, Tucker? Jeffrey Tucker. Jeffrey A. Tucker. Okay. Uh, and uh, this will be, of course, in the show notes tonight, uh, this piece itself. Um, he's arguing before we uh, just sort of dive into inflation and we are rightfully complaining about inflation. Let's remember how this all happened. Uh, it just, you know, I know that people at the White House want to blame it all on Vladimir Putin, but uh, he's not actually to blame for, for everything. Uh, Jeffrey says the inflation is bad and it's likely to get much worse. But his concern is that no one will remember how this all began. I asked a friend, do you think people understand the relationship between the March 2020 lockdowns and the wild price increases these last two years? Uh, his friend answered, no way. Um, and I like how Mr. Tucker portrays this uh, kind of wild world we've been living in. For many people, the last 24 months have seemed like a big blur where everything they thought about the world has been blasted to pieces. It's extremely disorienting. After a while, one can get used to the chaos and just accept it without attempting to account for it. Accountability. The lines of causality become too blurry. But the simple reality is uh, we know where this all came from. The cash you hold is losing value. Financial markets are volatile, but even when rising, your portfolio can't necessarily keep up. Even the best managed funds are scrambling for returns. Savings seem even less like savings. Even with cost of living increases in salaries and wages, the purchasing power is shrinking. 
Uh, the promise of transitory, quote unquote. Remember, remember transitory inflation. Remember, I think uh, Jen Psaki and and all her underlings. They said it was either we weren't going to have inflation, or if we did, it was going to be transitory. Not not so transitory now that we're in the depths of this. Uh, so the transitory inflation turned out to be uh, not a credible statement, uh, as credible as the promises to control the virus. Uh, as Jeff points out, it's a tragedy for the poor and working classes who are daily astonished at the new terrain of high prices for everything that makes life. Good. Okay. Counterfactual. Let's play what if. Let's say we really did do two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> 15 days to slow the spread, you know, whatever your favorite phrasing was. Uh, all restrictions mo- removed uh, after those 14, 15 days. Everything reopens. Congress did nothing to react to this. Um, everyone wondered uh, why we'd behaved so crazy uh, and then got to work dealing with the pandemic like intelligent adults. Uh, might we have recovered quickly? Surely so, but we don't live in that world. It's a wonderful timeline that I can go to only in my mind. Uh, Instead, Congress went absolutely nuts. uh, There's no questioning about that. With spending money they did not have. March 27th, 2020, the fateful day, there was a $2.2 trillion spending bill on the table. Uh, Congress was uh, looking to approve that, but Tom Massey, Classy Massey, uh, Republican from Kentucky, uh, philosophically uh, libertarian, hatched a brilliant idea. He insisted that Congress obey its own quorum rules. He pressed the point and thereby required at least half of everyone to come back to Washington, traveling to the swamp precisely when they were most scared to leave their homes. It made sense if you were going to shower the country with that much money, the least one could do is adhere, adhere to the rules of the House and show up for a vote. Uh, the president at the time, and, and we have a lot of the Trump fans, and I, and I endorse Trump for re-election, he did not really comport himself all the well, ter- terribly well uh, with the the, the initial uh, the bailout. Uh, Trump was furious, uh, hated Massey, tweeted that he was, let's see, a third-rate grandstander. He just wants the publicity, and he called for the party bosses to throw Massey out of the Republican Party. Uh, they did come back to D.C. The $2.0 trillion, of course, did pass. It could arguably be blamed, that bill, for why so many states kept their economies closed as long as they did. This is a very subtle point that we uh, should not forget. And I remember Stephen Moore, Eddie, was on Glenn Beck, heard on this radio network two years ago saying the, re- the governors are shutting everything down, knowing, betting on the come, expecting all this money to come from Washington. So the governors were not bearing any of the consequences because they knew that that river of cash was going to come their way. So it was kind of a pass the buck kind of thing. So you you governors go ahead and, and close down your economies and your societies and we'll help you out in Washington. And uh, Steve Moore, I got to say, look, looking pretty good at that uh, that analysis from, from two years ago. The money itself, rather than being used for compensation for lockdowns, became instead a moral hazard to continue the lockdowns for as long as possible. Exhibit A, ladies and gentlemen, I give you New Mexico. When Congress spends like this, it generates government-secured debt that seeks a market. Eventually, that $2.2 trillion became $6 trillion. The Federal Reserve was there to provide exactly what Congress needed, and hence its balance sheet, still in the process of normalizing from its previous round of bailouts, shifted dramatically. The balance sheet at the Fed exploded in its debt holdings, all of which are purchased with metaphorically printed money. The money printing peaked at a 20 6% rate of increase. Okay, M2, the, the important M2 statistic, the Fed inspired the addition of some $6 trillion to the supply of money, nearly a dollar-for-dollar dollar match of what the politicians were promising. So you had Congress and the Fed working together. All appearances of science aside, 
It was nothing but the crudest deployment of a classic tale of monetary devaluation, print instead of tax. Uh, Eddie, I'm going to kick it over to you in one second, but I'm going to give you one final number. In raw dollar terms, in the last 24 months, we have seen a 42% increase in the money supply. I'm going to say it again. Two years, 42% increase in the money supply due directly to the actions of people in Washington. Unbelievable, Dad. Um, You know, again, here we are, whether it's Rona, inflation, you take your pick of whatever it is, uh, Dowd. All these things could have been prevented. So if they could have been prevented, how do we know that? How do we know that this stuff wasn't on purpose? How do we know that this all wasn't all set up? The printing of money, the control, I think it just begs that uh, question. I hate to be conspiratorial in all this, but I think there are good people, or let's just say elected people, people who think that they're good people, who wanted a lot of this stuff to happen. Your quick take on that. Uh, again, Eddie, I mean, it, we're living in the reality of it. I, it was it designed? Uh, will we ever have an adequate answer to that? Uh, I think what... I think where I disagree with some of the people who think about conspiracies or plots is that I think it might be a little more subtle than that. I think that when these issues pop up, a foreign policy crisis, an asteroid headed for Earth, uh, a germ that, that has you have a more than 99% survivability rate, I think they're really opportunists, the people. I mean, their inclination is always more stronger, uh, more government, more control for people like us because we're the best and we're the smartest. And we all went to HYP, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Princeton. And they're really opportunists. I don't know how much they necessarily they bring it about more than they just seize on, on, on what comes about. But let me tell you, either way, they're really good at, at, at wrecking a society. Uh, Jeff says that if you, even if you believe that the reported inflation numbers uh, at the retail level, which I think there's reason to believe it's even worse than the official statistics, $1 saved last year is only worth 92 cents today. And by the year end, it could be worth only 84 cents. And what gets into a, a, the psychology of that, the realization of inflationary pillaging uh, tends to dawn slowly and then all at once. In the coming months and years, we are going to see a dramatic change in the psychology of saving. More people will simply decide that saving's not worth it. Better to consume now. Live in the moment. Don't plan for the future. Get rid of this paper as fast as possible before it loses even more value. Shovel it out the door, uh, you know, the back door as soon as it comes in the front door. Uh, this is a great piece, Eddie, and I think it just explains <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can't blame Donald Trump solely for inflation, although he, you know, he, he certainly supported bailouts. Biden intensified the bailouts. The Fed was involved in this. Uh, I know Jen Psaki thinks it's all Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, but I will commend Mr. Tucker, uh, uh, Eddie, because we have to remember what is the source of this our own people, demonize Putin all you want, demonize China all you, all you want, our elected officials and our unelected people at the Fed, they're the ones who did this. Look for the right enemy, folks, instead of looking abroad or uh, you know into the skies. We did this to ourselves by picking, as Donald Trump would say, very, very stupid leaders. Uh, Dowd, another great analysis. I think another uh, insightful find uh, that nobody else is talking about. You know, I listen to a lot of conservative radio, and uh, this week has been kind of inventive for us. I've been out trying to travel, record things, get it up on rockertalk.tv, leverage that platform. But, you know, the thing that really kind of gives our show the level of oomph and you know, credibility and control um, 
over information and being ahead of the curve. And we get so many pieces of information from so many people. And this is why this talk radio is important, is the fact that Dowd, you find articles like this that allow us to expound upon some of the information uh, that's out there. And uh, I had to tell you, I really appreciate uh, everything that you do in the deep, dark crevices of the midnight or early in the morning or whatever you want to call two in the morning where you look for this stuff. No, it's really inspiring. Doubt. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, because you're, you're, you're letting your mind sort of go on these. And, you know, I don't think it, uh, it goes unnoticed. Here we are Friday afternoon, 542. You're up in Albuquerque. I'm here in El Paso. You know, we've got Eric here in the, the studio. And, you know, we're trying to help Albuquerque understand what's happening out there. You know, our audience out there, they're trying to understand what's going on in this world. And they're getting led by the nose ring to the tune of $27.1 billion. And Michelle Lujan Grisham with her deep connections to the Democrats. She ran the his Hispanic Congressional Caucus. You know, we know that we have the largest state permanent fund or one of the largest state investment funds in the entire country. And we can't figure out why we're poor. And, um, you know, we print all this money, you know, and, it, it, you know, it just adds that level of perspective that we all need. And, you know, folks, uh, for those of you out there listening to other talk radio shows or getting other information from other places, you may not like us. You may think I'm a total a-hole and doubts, uh, you know, totally unapproachable and somebody you wouldn't deal with or whatever. But no, you're we're, not providing, we're, we're providing things that nobody else is, and we're happy to do it. Um, and my take, whether it's on homeless people or what's happening uh, to us, uh, folks, there is a big, bright world out there that's a lot bigger and a lot better than Albuquerque is right now. And we want to make Albuquerque better. The only reason why I'm out visiting and going to these different places is because I want Albuquerque to be a better place um, for my kids. It's not like I can just pick up and run with my kids to some other place for some other reason. So I have to make the place where they are. And, um, you know, I think I'm kind of ready for my reveal, I should say, about where I'm living. Yeah. Um, you know, this week and last week, I thought about a lot of things. And I'm a guy who's a creature of habit. I'm a guy who loves the city that he lives in, you know, ran for mayor for the city, uh, you know, won't run again, thankfully. And after do that, I think we can do a lot more with our radio show, to be quite honest. And hopefully we can find other people like the Louis Sanchez's of the world, like the Greg Zanetti's, uh, the people out there who really have a heart of service and, uh, you know, really... You know, they they have more years behind them, to be quite honest, than they do ahead of them. So they're not trying to kind of capitalize on themselves. They aren't these young, upstart, ambitious type people out of that. They just want to live in a better place and leave a legacy behind. And I think that's kind of where I ended up for me. You know, I thought a lot about moving to Rio Rancho. I had a house under contract with a friend who's building houses. And, you know, I felt pretty good about it. And, you know, I was going to move forward. And I got to tell you, I just couldn't leave Albuquerque. I don't think it was my place to go ahead and just sort of pick up and leave. I was excited about doing it. And I had a beautiful house up in North 35 uh, under contract, and I decided to go ahead and just say, no mas, no thank you. I'm going to try and make Albuquerque a better place. And uh, I'm going to be living in the exact neighborhood where both my grandmother uh, uh, lived, as well as my nana and my tata both lived across from the airport that I love less than one to two minutes uh, from you know where my where my office is for a radio station you know I mean the way that I'm calculating things and saying things is I want to keep doing this radio show as long as I God will let me and or my dad will be with me and you know Eric will want to do it and uh, we've built something pretty special 
you know, the stickers behind you, you know, the TV, the AM radio station, which is a city of license in Albuquerque, on the tower, the only tower that's in Albuquerque. I mean, KKOB is not in Albuquerque. Um, you know, all these other places aren't in Albuquerque. They all have their towers outside of Albuquerque. We have uh, 1,190 and the mighty 1,600 all in Albuquerque, and I'm pretty proud of that. And, you know, I like the fact that the city is a very difficult place for people to pronounce, uh, even worse to spell. And, uh, you know, I think it's emblematic of just how difficult, you know, our city is to sort of conquer. And it's a tough nut to crack. And I don't mind doing it. I know that I'll die here. I know that I'll be here. I know that, you know, I'm glad to have been born here. And uh, I think a lot of other people feel the same way that I do. Um, you know, it's uh, it's got one of the best mascots in the Duke. You know, the Duke of Albuquerque. I got to say, I love that. We have so many kitschy things about it. But, you know, it makes me angry when I'm in a in a city like El Paso to see the level of sophistication uh, when you consider how old our city is compared to some of the other surrounding cities, whether it be Phoenix or Tucson or El Paso or Denver, Colorado or Salt Lake City, and just how we have fallen so far behind yet. We had such a big uh, head start above everybody else. And look at Eric just taking control, telling me when we're going to run to brick. It's like I have a real producer now who's really cutting to the music and, uh, you know, actually paying attention. That's one less thing I have to. I got to tell you, um, I even, I'm even thinking differently because I don't have to worry about all of those things, like putting the entire show together or having to produce. You don't realize how much I don't think people realize how much work a radio show takes in addition Absolutely. to running a radio station, building a radio station, having the engineering. All of these things take a tremendous amount of work. And um, to every one of our subscribers, to every one of our advertisers, to every one of our supporters, to every one of our listeners, we thank each and every one of you each and every day, especially for those of you who wrap the week with us uh, here on a Friday, which there's, uh, you know, there's about a, a third less than what there is normally a Monday through Thursday. I track that stuff pretty closely. Ah. I know where our audience is, but we have never, folks, we have never had this number of listeners that we have right now. So the more the merrier. Uh, we certainly hope that you're smarter and better because of that. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in this afternoon right here for our Friday broadcast. We're going to wrap the hour and we return back and forth on AM 1600 FM, rockoftalk.com, right here in the Kiva. All your life, all your life, all your best when your daddy gonna talk to you. She was living in another world, trying to get a message through. No one heard a single word you say. You should have seen it in your eyes. What was going around your head? I've got a tiger by the tail, it's plain to see. I won't be much when you get through with me. Well, I'm a losing weight and I'm turning mighty pale. Looks like I've got a tiger Man, this music is amazing. I gotta tell you, I love it. This is the best. 
about, it's about time we put some personality back into Kiva. A little tiger by the tail there. Uh, who's that? Uh, is that? I don't know who that is. Is that, uh, is that Pickens? That is Buck Owens. Buck, he Owens. Died Buck Owens. There we go. Buck he Owens. Day back in 1990, oh, according God. to the Daily Blast, the Bakersfield where, Sound, where yeah. most of my musical inspirations are coming from. <laughs> is that right? Okay. We are the rock of talk, but I, I allow a little country to seep in. You know, just for diversity. I'm really about equity, diversity, and inclusion. So that's that's why I put country in. <laughs> <laughs> Buck Owens, good stuff, Dowd. Uh, appreciate you putting that in. Why don't you just do a quick drill down, if you don't mind, uh, on today's uh, highlights, and then uh, give us our top five, and then we'll just kind of bounce back and forth. We'll let people cut out a little bit early, um, but uh, you, me, and the Dowd makes three for hour number three. Um, we're good to go for freestyling, but let's just kind of run down uh, for the uh, 4 a.m. blast that goes out each and every day, what today's blast was all about, Dowd. Yeah, uh, let me give you the, the links. We do uh, top 10 links, and then which usually are during the weekdays are more New Mexico related. And then uh, we also include Dow's extra clicks. They throw in little things about space policy and energy policy and uh, family values, you know, uh, human flourishment and, you know, how, keeping the family together and being good to kids and all that kind of stuff. So uh, today's number one, which not surprises me, given the fact that a lot of people are concerned about getting a new governor in office. And we certainly don't disagree with that. Our friend over, uh, Nick, over at the conservative New Mexican, he got the number one slot uh, clicked on. Ron Ketty frustrated, uh, frustrates opponents with Hyden Biden campaign strategy. Apparently, the money man who's got all the money uh, and all the establishment support, he kind of thinks he can coast to victory in the primary uh, without really having to face the other three candidates. Uh, not exactly a, a shocker there. Uh, number two, and this this is this is, this is beautiful. Uh, Delano Squires or Delano, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Great uh, essayist over at Blaze Media. America's most powerful women have finally found men they can submit to, men who think they're women. Uh, I'll just leave. I'll just be in more trouble if I go into the, the details of that. But uh, I, I thought that was a particularly rich. Uh, great piece over at the American Institute for Economic Research. Did tipping come from slavery? The 1619 Project lies again. Apparently, tipping uh, had nothing to do with slavery, and tipping actually may have gone back to as far as the medieval period. So the uh, New York Times, they want to make everything about race, and apparently not necessarily everything is about race. Uh, number four is, uh, and this might be a little controversial. Some people might not like this uh, piece from Pat Buchanan's magazine, The American Conservative. Uh, I used to write for them, God, coming up on 20 years ago now, back in the early, early days of the Iraq war. Uh, those are Russian mother's sons. And uh, this will probably get some people's blood boiling. Other people might like it a lot. Today's social media and the internet blitzkrieg of news means that people can remain entirely removed from the war in Ukraine while also deeply involved in it. It does not appear to be a good combination. The sudden preponderance of desk-bound military pundits and cheerleaders would do well to remember advice offered across the ages. From the Chinese military strategist Sun Tzu, the U.S. Defense Secretary Robert McNamara post-Vietnam. Know and empathize. Yes, empathize with your enemy. We failed to do that in Afghanistan and Iraq. That contributed to strategic defeat and enormous losses in blood and treasure for everyone involved. Again, that piece was uh, the American conservative. Those are Russian mother's sons. You might not agree, but it'll at least certainly get you thinking. And uh, a wonderful... Uh, Online, online, online website. I think that's redundant. The Daily Skeptic over in the UK, and of course they spell skeptic a little differently. They have a magnificent chart on uh, global climate change, and I've seen this chart before. Actually, goes back 
I think they're using the Vostok ice cores from oh Russian oh, Russian research. It can't be it can't be true, right? Going back more than four hundred thousand years, really showing these waves of temperature changes, and they almost come in an almost predictable pattern over the long term sort of glacial period. While we're obsessed about what happened, you know, a storm last month, or predictions about higher temperatures this summer, or the drought continuing in the American Southwest. If you look way, 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 way back, climate change is actually kind of normal. So Eddie, those were our top five most click click pieces. Boy, do we have subscribers who are interested in in-depth research, commentary, and writing. There we go. Sorry, I have to take the mute off. I have all my little shortcuts going now, which is uh, pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. I got to tell you, uh, it has been a good week. I wish I could broadcast from uh, El Paso more often. Heck, who knows? Maybe I'll just uh, go ahead and uh, try to do more remote places. Uh, if you want to go ahead and have me broadcast remote from your place, we can certainly do that. Or maybe you want doubt or, you know, maybe you want something entirely different. We can make all that happen. And uh, we will certainly start talking about that, especially with Rudy Grande. He's got a lot of interest on that as well. Hour three, you, me, the doubt makes three. And Eric uh, in as we wrap the hour. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in here into the Kiva. Back for, for the third hour up next. Thanks for listening. It's all dismal darkness. I never said again the mess at the blaze of factories. Like a lonely man who stands on the street, your name I ever prayed. As weary as I be, I try see my This is the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Six oh six in the five oh five with more four one one for the third hour. I'm Eddie Eric on the Rock of Talk, 
AM1600KIVABQ.FM, rockatalk.com. What are we listening to? Radio? Is, is this Squeeze? Is this uh, Early Clash? This uh, is the Clash's Radio Clash. Okay. What is this from, like, 78, like their first or second album? That would be impossible for me to kind of pin down, but I'm going to take it my best. This is probably pre-punk punk. Uh, Sex Pistols, uh, I'm going to guess 78 on this one. 78, 79. Am I close? 1981. Uh, wow. Well, there you go. Um, the Clash from the album. Uh, just from Rock the Casbah, I would imagine? Uh, released as a single on various formats. Okay. There we go. Back when, uh, you know, the last singles uh, place where you used to be able to buy albums. It's kind of incredible. Um, shut down and now... Anybody want to guess what uh, what it got turned into? Starbucks? No, uh, a cannabis uh, oh, house. Okay. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> it got, it got turned weed into or coffee, can- one of the other. Yeah, weed or coffee. It got turned into a cannabis house. So there you go. That was the, uh, I think, I used to go all the time on Knob Hill. I spent uh, many a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, and, and Knob Hill is like, completely and totally vacant. Now, by the way, incidentally, folks, you can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. You can also podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Don't forget, you can app us directly at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. Become a subscriber for less than 20 cents at rockoftalk.chat. Uh, cool little app coming in on the Substack. So, look, we've been at this for on Substack for two years. We are one of the pioneers of Substack, no doubt about it. Now it's all the rage. Everybody has their Substack. We're not on any. I like when we say we're bleeding edge. We were bleeding edge, and I was bleeding edge back in the day. Saturday or Sunday was spent at Bow Wow Records, folks. Oh. That's where I was. One of the reasons why I know so much about music is you had uh, people who were putting out all the albums over there. I, I was there all the time, and then uh, Friday nights because they had the headphones. I don't even know if anybody mentions or listens to any of this kind of stuff anymore, uh, or remembers this time. But you know, we used to have. Sound Warehouse. Um, Eric, does that ring a bell for you? Sound Warehouse? Where? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I remember that one. So I used to go to Sound Warehouse all the time and inevitably became a, a one or two different restaurants. I think it became Silviano's and then some other place, I think, for a time. And that's where I spent my Friday nights. I'd be go, you know, I had a, a 300SX, then I had a Geostorm, and I had a little Suzuki Samurai. And um, what I would do if I may speak about myself a little bit here, not that I don't speak about myself. First time for everything. (laughs) Yeah. Got to make room for all the content here. No, uh, Friday nights I I went to the base. Um, So we had an open gym at the base and, uh, you know, I sort of quote unquote held court because I was a really good basketball player, all the March Madness stuff. And um, we played pickup basketball games and uh, sophomore, junior year, Every Friday night, pick up basketball games from six to nine. I'd play three hours straight. We'd run court over there, and we had so much fun. And uh, when I wasn't doing that, I was listening to everything from uh, Eric and Parrish making dollars, EPMD, to a Tribe Called Quest, to classical music, to lots and lots and lots of rock, and lots of punk, lots of new wave. Um, that's the kind of stuff. Um, I, I should say on the rap game, I was never a West Coast guy, ever. Not no, one no time NWA. ever. You never hear me listen to uh, yeah, Easy E, no NWA. I, I certainly was not uh, a Tupac fan uh, back in the day at all. Uh, I never liked any of that stuff. 
I was all East Coast rap. Um, there was a, you might want to find it sometime, Eric. I'm not even sure, but uh, the dance hall uh, coming out of Jamaica, which is pretty cool music. And there was a, oh, yeah. a guy, you like dance halls? Anybody like dance hall? Oh yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, dance hall's great. Uh, I was in a cab at one time when I had gone to New York back in 2016. And I got into a cab because I was going to Fox News. And the guy that was in was a dance hall purveyor. I'm like, this is awesome. And he was on SoundCloud. In fact, I think I still have him on SoundCloud. And he created dance hall music. And I'm like, I'm not into going to any place. But he was playing all the stuff that he made. And he was from Queens, New York. The dance hall sound is a place where a lot of people like to party. So the dance hall music. And there was a guy by the name of Shinehead. You might remember him. Yeah, the guy's name is Shinehead. And he had this really cool dance hall music with some rap and it was all east coast rap and that that was really good so and then later on i think uh, as new wave sort of graduated in a trance music for me which you know i think uh, eric you and i have shared a lot of that uh, i mean remember um the raves of the middle and late 90s um you know from like 92 to 98 you'd find some empty air uh, warehouse somewhere and you just be you know yeah. just get that you know that influenced early my, yeah influenced my life to this day Wow. Yeah, it's it's great music. I mean, you could listen to trance uh, music, and then it became uh, you know there's things like Ministry of Sound and um, Tiesto and all that kind of stuff, which is more like mainstream stuff. And then um, you know, um, God, I'm losing some of my on on ABQ.FM. I have, believe it or not, folks, uh, two trance radio stations um, that are on there that play 24 seven. And uh, it's called, one's called State of Trance, and the other one's called Trance Radio. And that is playing 24-7, both on the app. Um, and if you want to feel good on a, I don't know, if you want to feel good in general, just put on some trance music. There is just nothing but women howling and just nothing but dance electro pulses in your head. And uh, usually high energy, somewhere between 130 to 180 beats per minute. Um, and that's minimal. I mean, some of this trans stuff gets up into the 220, 250 range on some of it. And it's wow. it's really good stuff. I'm just um, reading about dance hall music, uh, Eddie. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Shinehead appears uh, mm -hmm. on the list of some of the luminaries of, of dance hall music, which include Half Pint, Tenor, Half Pint. <laughs> tenor Saw, Papasan, yeah. Papasan, good, Gigi, Super Cat, General Super Cheese, Cat. Uh, Shabaranks. Shaba Ranks, everybody knows him. So. Uchu Banton, Yellow Man. Yellow Man, big. Uh, Jose Wales, mm -hmm. uh, Sugar Minot, Mad Cobra, and the mm -hmm. aforementioned Shinehead. <laughs> yeah, Shinehead's great. Um, yeah, but uh, Shaba Ranks, everybody knows Shaba. And then uh, there's just a lot of other. That East Coast rap is where it's at. West Coast, everything West Coast rap totally sucks. Especially that... Uh, you know, some of that Latin um, rap that they were doing. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right, Eric? It's just like, it never really sort of took off. And like it was Kid always. Frost or something? Yeah, it's just like filled with. I don't know if Kid Frost was that, but it was just filled with a bunch of bad language. And it wasn't something that you could. It's, it's the stuff that the guys play as they're driving past Movies 8 on Coors on a Friday or Saturday night is the stuff that I hate. It's this, all the stuff that they decided to go ahead and buy those big old. You know, uh, what do you call those ghetto boxes in the back? They'd stick them in their truck. It would be like 300 watts. And I'm like, why do you need 300 watts in your trunk, a-hole? Uh, you know, in your, it, 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 you know, I don't need to hear your stereo out there. So this was the, you know, this is post-Walkman, 
you know, uh, CD uh, type music. And, you know, that's when people like uh, Blaupunkt or, you know, Blue Dot, I guess if it is in the, the German Blaupunkt uh, radio, and people would buy all these different types of radios that would have the detachable faces because it was popular to steal two things. Uh, one would be car stereos and the other would be hood ornaments. And you see both of them around those chumps uh, who'd be running around with their $1,000 amps in their back and uh, their, you know, hydraulics that they had. And I got to say, I like the car culture, the especially the classic car culture. But what I didn't appreciate is the drug and music culture, not to mention with the foul mouth that was associated with that. I think, Eric, uh, having been from here and living here most of your life, you can probably uh, understand what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I know. I hear exactly what you're, you're taking me back. Memory. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Cobra and Sugar, Super Cat. <laughs> Super Cat's good. I know a few of the songs. That, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm getting to the I'm getting to the age now um, where I'm remembering things that have to jog my memory because I haven't listened to them in 20, mm -hmm. 30 years. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's like one of those funny things. But I do remember one of my favorite albums that i could not shut off was epmd's gold digger before kanye's gold digger before the uh, my gosh eric and parish making dollars in a tribe called quest i could not shut that stuff off you know, i was addicted to that and then of course shine it i could not stop playing that. it was such good music and that was like my first real like foray into rap and it never evolved much beyond that because rap never evolved it just started jumping into weird hip-hop stuff and I love the biz marquee and I love, you know, you know, it takes two and all that kind of stuff, all that stuff. I don't know if people even remember if they want to, you know, speak about uh, rap and where it all started. That's the Sugar Hill gang. Oh, look, yeah. I, look, Rappers if you don't think I don't, if you don't think I don't know anything about rap, I went to school with Alvin Joyner. Right. Right. The, yeah. Uh, uh, X to the Z exhibit. I mean, he, <laughs> Like Alvin was my friend, uh, him and Chris Coates over at John Adams Middle School in the West Side represent and 57th Street and the gang over there. Like those were my friends. These are people I was in drama and speech and Miss McKinney's class. I mean, and we cut up and I still remember to this day, I think I've told the story umpteen times on the radio and uh, Alvin Joyner in front of the John Adams Panthers uh, uh, gymnasium as he's up there for the talent show. He goes out to the front of everybody, and it's all these people doing funny things and cut up stuff. Your talent shows are always great for that, you know. I've got another story about this one kid, Eric Sundberg, in, in high school doing the same thing. He did uh, uh, Territorial Pissings by Nirvana, uh, Nir Nirvana, Nirvana, which was hilarious. <laughs> they literally, him, Bobby Joe, and their their his brother Jude, and nobody knew what the hell was going on. I'll go back to <laughs> Alvin Joyner in a second. And they literally, he walks up and he has this long hair and he puts it right to the front and he, and he, it just covers it. And Eric was brilliant. He's a smart kid. I think he ended up going to like Occidental College, which is impossible to get into in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, uh, Obama couldn't get into that, uh, even though he was, I think he got forced into that school somehow. I don't know, something, something happened. But that's where Eric ended up going. But he stands it, and Bobby Joe was a smart kid in his own right, although he did whip his ass in the uh, spelling bee. But back, and his, it, they never forgave me for that. So I think he became a doctor, and I think he's in Pittsburgh now, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <clears throat> but I digress multiple times on this. Eric walks to the front, okay, and all of these, and I'm not familiar with Nirvana at the time, okay? And so I don't know nothing about Nirvana. It's like 1992. 
It's like a little talent show. Eric walks to the front of the stage, and we're sitting there. It's like, what the heck is going on? So he stands in front, and he says, and it says, if if it's he has a T-shirt that's written in black paint, and it says, if you see K, and then you flip it around right there, and it says, if you. CK and then YOU in the back as he turns around and then there it goes he just drops the mic and then they just go on for like two and a half minutes on territorial pissings and it's <laughs> hilarious as all get out as they're destroying Pete Townsend style the guitar the drums and the, the the microphone so there you go that was a that was a triumph in my opinion I mean because that was a big middle finger to the quote unquote uh, state of, oh, excuse me, the Archdiocese of Santa Fe. I mean, they must have just been like, what the heck happened? <laughs> I, I still very memorable. I, I haven't told that story in, I don't know, who knows? Maybe I've never told it. Um, and then going back to, uh, you know, Alvin Joyner. Alvin Joyner cried in front of the entire school. And we were hanging out in Saddle Ridge and Taylor Ranch and Alvin used to just, he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> The guy just just wouldn't shut up. I'm like, he's like, I'm on 89.9 on Friday nights, and, and he's like, I'm gonna be a rapper someday. I'm like, Alvin, you ain't gonna be no rapper. <laughs> just shut up. No one's gonna no one's gonna listen to you, Alvin. Like, uh, Alvin, what are you talking about, Alvin? Like, so all these people who say I hate black people, all my friends were black. <laughs> Literally, growing up, all of them were. Every every black person in Taylor Ranch was my friend, essentially, and all the athletic leagues as well. I mean, that, those are my buddies, you know. I think Chris Coates ended up going to Grambling, if I'm not mistaken. He was returning punts. Yeah, fastest kid. I think he had the uh, state record for a time in the uh, 100, but um, and graduated from West Mesa High School. Great guy. His dad was uh, hilarious. Uh, I inevitably uh, devolved into the lowest um, because Chris and I got into a fight at one of the parks in Taylor Ranch, like literally just beating each other up and whatever. And then he bit me. Like, you know, because I was wailing on him. He was, we used to run in the morning. Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, he bit me. He bit me on my back. And then his dad shows up with Chris at my dad's house, you know, and funny as all get out. And he says, Mr. Coates comes in with, with Chris. He says, don't worry. Your son isn't going to get rabies. My son done had his shots. I'm like, oh, my ah. gosh. <laughs> yeah, so that's that. That's a good one. That's really funny stuff. That's how they used to deal um, with situations like that back in the day. Uh, it would be all lawyers and congressional right. investigations now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That, that would be a lawsuit nowadays. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, Alvin Joyner inevitably became uh, X to the Z and uh, did uh, pit my ride. Um, I think he ran into some problems a little bit later on, but uh, he was a good guy. I really liked Alvin. Um, later on, I never had a chance to kind of meet up with him, but we should probably try to reach out to his PR people and see what X oh, yeah. and Z is up now and say, Pit My Ride. Because, in my opinion, probably one of the better MTV shows. MTV was a trashy, you know, post post Beavis and Butthead. Yep. I mean, is there anything that was worth watching after that? I mean, Martha Quinn, you know, I mean, how old are those guys? How old is Kurt Loder? How old oh, is. Dear is Martha Quinn. How old are these people? These people got to be, I'm going to age you right now. I grew up August 1st, 1981, the launch of MTV. My box didn't move for like the next 10, 12 years. I would sit on the phone before there was, what's that? Martha Quinn. <laughs> Martha Quinn. No, we're not going to do, uh, 
We're not going to do stuff. That, we're not going to do that song. Please do not play that. That's a, Kurt Loader uh, is closer to 80 than he is to 70. No way. That's how old he is. He's 76. Yeah. Martha Quinn's what? Mid 60s? Early 60s? Oh, Martha. Martha. She's, she can't be that old. As old as him. Yeah. Yeah. She's. I, I know. Really? 76? Yeah. No. No. Martha. 62. 62. Yeah. She's 62. And then uh, Nina. Nina Blackwood. Uh, she was one of the first VJs. What is she? Nina's got to be what? 65. Uh, 66. <laughs> 66. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> Shut up, Eric. <laughs> just, just thinking that Nina Blackwood might get to 82 is a joke. To be quite honest. How old is Polly Shore? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, is he even still alive? The uh, Weasel. Uh, the Weasel is 54. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think he was no, that good. old. He's, uh, he's got a, you know, and that's the whole entire thing about MTV. It was all about people with sticks. Um, every single like us. <laughs> every single one of these guys, you know, has a shtick for one reason or another, and they were known for something. So. Anyway, um, I don't know. We, we got off on a weird tangent to kick off the third hour, but I could talk about music all day. In fact, um, you know what? I'm going to share with you guys. So we're going to get to the Blue Origin story in just a moment because right, right, some right. people are actually probably wanting to hear a little bit about that. But I did go out last night, um, even though I don't drink, I did go out bar hopping in El Paso. And uh, we hit a number of different places, which were uh, pretty cool because we sort of want to take in the culture and uh, went out and saw uh, Dowd, I think I sent you a little clip of the jazz music that you were hearing. You did, yep, right? yep. What did you think about that? I mean, that that was that, that ain't no joke. Live music, you remember? Remember live music and going out and sitting down and having fun with socializing and listening to talented people play instruments. Well, what's that like? You won't find a jazz band like the one that we saw last night. I mean, they were incredible, truly incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a place up in Santa Fe that we go to called Tonic, uh, which is uh, pretty good. And, you know, that's probably the only place you can go, I think, for, for decent jazz. There used to be a place called the Martini Grill some time ago. And, you know, intermittently they would get, you know, a jazz band here and there. And then I think everything became like one band. That's the funny thing about New Mexico is like once one band gets booked and it's like a place, then it's everyone to that one bar. We're like a one bar town. Um, I think we truly are. I mean, wherever that band is playing, it's the same band playing everywhere. It's like that one band. I'm not going to mention them by name because I actually like them. But, um, you know, the launch, you know, we're getting skipped over by a lot of national acts now. Uh, El Paso gets them. Phoenix gets them. Tucson gets them. Albuquerque doesn't get them. We have stopped booking venues because people have found it problematic to perform here. Um, we used to have the Palo Solari, which we packed all the time up in Santa Fe, and we'd get national acts there. It's been some time since we've had a national act, I think, over at the Palo Solari. Uh, the Journal Center, which became, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. I mean, the last band that I saw that performed over there. Uh, I don't think Coldplay ever came to New Mexico. Did Coldplay ever come to New Mexico? I'll look that up. They may have come once, but they probably, it's just like when you two would go to the Pan American Center. You're like, what the hell are they going to the Pan American Center for? Why aren't they coming up here? Or the Rolling Stones, I think they performed at Lobo Stadium or something like that. Oh, wow. It was like it was a, 
Yeah, but nobody ever came to like team. I mean, we haven't had good bands, good concerts since like the 1970s, uh, where you know you'd get Led Zeppelin or you'd get Stevie Wonder or you'd get some of the big bands that were really kind of Carpenter. You know, <laughs> yes, Karen Carpenter and her brother would uh, came here and cling on the keys. You know, I, I did tell you uh, my uh, horror story about the first concert I ever had that I went to. It's like I went to go watch. And this was a year after Live at the Acropolis was all over PBS, but that was Yanni at Pope Joy Hall. Yep, I mean, yep. that was my first concert experience, and then my first rock concert experience was um, at the Sunshine Theater with uh, Cheap Trick. I'm like, that was big. You want to know why that was big? Because you'll never see Cheap Trick again at the Sunshine Theater. <laughs> you know, I mean, after there was a, a woman who was found behind the Coke machine murdered, I don't think they ever booked anything that was any, I don't think any level of seriousness again. So, um, but anyway, last night just kind of roaming around, and I went to a bar called the Reagan, uh, which was playing uh, Friday the Thirteenth. I don't know, at least like part four. Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't in it, so uh, you know. She's a, a great poor um, film, um, whatever, maven. I mean, she seems to be like, um, and then, then True Lies, and then A Fish Called Wanda, Nothing Ever Again. So, um, But uh, they were playing, and they had all of these various uh, different types of concoctions. I mean, obviously, sample of them. Great neon, bricks in the back. I mean, if people are thinking about uh, you know opening up a, a space because they got a good angle on something, either downtown or uptown, I would invite them to come in and, and partake. A better bar scene, a better nightlife scene than, in my opinion, than either Phoenix or Tucson is wow. El Paso. Yeah, and it's a sophisticated level of cocktail culture uh, down here. Um, and you know, as I mentioned to you yesterday, you don't have any of that uh, sort of woke, broke, LGBTQ virtue signaling, you know, you know, you don't have any of that type of stuff here. I mean, you don't have the conquistadors being spray painted upon. Yeah. Eddie, did you ever go to the, the famed Club 101 in El Paso back in the day? No, no. This is really the first time I've ever really spent in El Paso. To be quite I never went either, but I heard it was legendary for the for the old new wave scene. Ah. Oh, you know, we used to have a we used to have a place uh, for new wave back in, in the day called Beyond Ordinary. I don't know if you guys remember. Oh yeah, I remember that had, one. That, was yeah, that the had, one that was uh, UN for a while, Underground Nation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they had Beyond Ordinary. And then um, up in, in the Heights, you had that Uptown Bar, uh, which is a lot of places people used to come. Then it turned into like, I don't know, like a beer hall where they have pool tables. And then, you know, that that, that reaches its inevitable demise. And, you know, they try to turn everything into Doc and Eddie's eventually. I think everybody just wants to drink beer and listen to country music and play pool. It's like, oh, that's working. So anyway, it's a very sophisticated uh, culture here with the jazz, the cocktails. And then I hit another place, uh, which I'm probably going to go back to tonight just to check it out because there's some more live jazz that's playing there. And these aren't just like one act, two acts. I mean, these are multiple acts in the same night. And you have to remember... When you look at Juarez and you look at El Paso and you look at this entire area, the total population of what's accounted for is about 2.7, 2.8 million. And these aren't normal Hispanic people, um, you know, who are just uh, chowing down on flour tortillas, cheese, and beans and looking for, you know, the, you know, my mom makes the best Mexican food. Uh, this is real cuisine. 
uh, some serious stuff that people are showing up money for. I went to the plaza down here, uh, the biggest tequila collection this side of the Mississippi, and it's five stories high. I think I sent you a couple of pictures of that, Dowd. Feel free to go ahead and uh, send that stuff. I got a journal that thing. But, you know, these are things that we can do, and we just can't have Jim Long for all the things that he's done. We can't just have Jim Long open up every single bar and every single concept and every single hotel here in the state, you know what I mean? And that's exactly what he's starting to do with the Hyatt. I mean, when the Hyatt basically pulls up sticks and decides to pick up and leave, you know, the state of New Mexico um, with the largest building. Folks, that's no joke, that's no small thing. They didn't pay like, what, $80,000 in property taxes? And instead of, I don't know who Al Jurgensen is, uh, by the way, Eric, so uh, no idea. <clears throat> but anyway, um, Eric's uh, sending me messages directly on the, on the thing. Uh, oh, Ministry, Ministry. Yeah, I don't I don't know the name. Uh, I did play Ministry the other day. Does anybody remember that? I was just playing Ministry. Does anybody remember the song that I was playing? Oh, uh, New World Order. That's it, yeah. So, But anyway... Oh, okay, good. So, uh, anyway, long story short, uh, with all this, uh, El Paso is a place you should definitely have to come. Uh, come see Rachel here at the um, Hotel Stanton, or the, the, the and let her know that I sent you down here. Um, uh, everything top to bottom. This morning, I went to the border. I jumped on some scooters. Uh, we got some scooters and literally just and little scooters. Remember how the scooters failed miserably? I think in the first two weeks uh, in Albuquerque, what do we have? Somebody pulled over for a DUI, right? <laughs> on a scooter. Classic Albuquerque. Why would you want to drink and be on a scooter is all I want to know. They're hard enough to, to kind of run as it is and then decide that you're going to start drinking while you're on a scooter. She got pulled. Remember she got pulled over? That was like the first week. And then, and, and you don't have to worry about anybody vandalizing or trying to steal any of these things. They're all just sitting out there. Um, Eric, I know you work downtown at the convention center, but is there are there scooters any longer in Albuquerque for their trial run with Pat Davis, city I councilor? Have, I haven't seen a scooter in over two years since before the lockdown. Why can't Albuquerque have nice things? Uh, why can't Albuquerque have nice things? So, you know, if I was your mayor, these are things that we could kind of pull in and wouldn't have to go ahead and tout myself as a heavy metal mayor or any of this other stuff. It's funny how the, the heavy metal mayor doubt is in a suit and tie and yeah. belt and suspenders, you know? Yep. The, the mayor is not really one of those belt and suspenders type of, of jobs. It's one of those things where you sort of like roll up your sleeves, you go out and talk. I mean, you sort of want to look as frumpy as Pete Dinelli, to be quite honest. That's right. that you're doing. <laughs> I mean, the guy is... That's frumpy. <laughs> I think under the, def- the third definition of frumpy <laughs> is a picture of Pete Dinelli. <laughs> All right. So finally, Blue Origin. You want to talk about having nice things? Absolutely. Blue Origin pulls up in no less than six vehicles. Let me tell you how much they like El Paso. They had they only have two stations where they can replug in and recharge these vehicles. I don't know if you can pull up the pictures or not. But I only got five percent left on my battery guys. So you guys are gonna have to take this out. So I'm gonna tell right. this story right. pretty quick. How quickly <laughs> um <clears throat> These guys are all standing outside. They got their blue things. And I was hoping it said like Grey Goose on the side or some sort of sponsor. And unfortunately, it said um, one of those, nor- uh, is it North Shore? What is the name of that? North Face? North Face. Or Patagonia, yeah. 
they had all that stuff on. That was the only thing that was disappointing. And the guy was looking at me with his uh, hipster long beard and sort of his fat <laughs> of head. You yeah. could tell that he sampled like 12 IPAs the night before. You know, he didn't really, but they were all about, well, don't you know who we are? We're Blue Origin. I just like sat there in front of them, like, you guys are Blue Origin? This is awesome. Let me tell you the story up the road about what's happening, how we paid $300 million to these guys and they're not doing anything. And they were sitting there just listening. I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that you guys aren't launching from there. And they literally told me it was never even in the cards. Never even these are yeah two of the guys that i talked to one had to be a pilot he had to be a pilot the guys literally like his veins are bursting out he had one of those high-tech watch was which is probably giving out barometric pressure and wind direction (laughs) you know on his wrist i think that the thickness of his watch was thicker than his hand was that type of like crazy instrument that he had so um, he had to be one of the guys who was piloting it. And they're all standing outside. And by the way, I know why they're, they're staying at this. It, it's for this damn hotel, which is the best deal in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely best, the, uh, the Stanton house uh, down here. So they all jump in into their uh, vehicles and they sort of like fleet away like they're sort of government people. Well, the people who are their passengers, let me tell you, they were here at the bar last night. I was hanging out with these guys that were sitting just oh, like the people going up in the next lawn. Yeah, yeah. the guys yeah. who were spending, uh, I don't know, what is how much does it cost to go up on? I don't think they disclose. Yeah, they don't disclose. I thought it was a bid. I thought it was like 60 million, 55 million. I thought they had to bid, right? In the early in the early launches, but they're getting into regular pace now, so yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, what what do you think the first thing they talked about was? You're gonna uh, love this. You're- how, how they don't expect to die flying with Blue Origin, and, and they'd be terrified of Virgin Galactic's rocket ship. <laughs> so, so I asked if Pete, Pete Davidson was in here. You know, one of the first thing that they said, they said, "Yeah, we know that. Uh, we heard that uh, Virgin Galactic sold a lot of tickets. What do you think that's in their frame of mind? This is a competition for them. Yeah, They're thinking yeah. of this as a competitive business." Sort of like, I don't know if anybody even remembers any of this stuff, but I used to be really into like drawing sailboats, looking at sailboats. You know what this was? You know what they were thinking of? They were thinking, how much money are they going to be making? Is it going to be profitable? Who's going to be first and who's going to land? They're mm-hmm. thinking of this as America's Cup competition. Okay. They used to have that. That's that type of mentality. That's yep. the feel that they had. You know, it's kind of got this real sort of insular feeling where only certain people know about it and they know about it. And one of the things that was so incredibly cool about it is they weren't braggadocious in any way. They were interested in the business Good. end of it. They Good. were interested in how much money was going to make. They weren't kind of crossing their arms and, and saying, oh, no, no. They were more interested in how many passengers that they're going to be able to take, how much mm-hmm. money they're going to be able to make, and mm-hmm. if this is going to be a wave of the future. So my bets, all bets are on, not on Elon and certainly not on uh, Dick Branson. Uh, they are entirely on Blue Origin. This is going to be a profitable business. And if I ever go to space, I can tell you where I'm going to be launching from. It's going to be with Blue Origin. I think there's a good chance if I don't get to space, uh, certainly my kids will be able to do so. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Dowd, uh, I got to tell you, it's going to get to the point where it's going to be affordable for people. And I don't mean affordable in terms of the, you know, 50, 100 grand. I mean affordable in terms of like, you know, 25, 50 grand, like skydiving. 
mm-hmm. think it's eventually mm-hmm. going to get to the point where people are going to put their down payment and wait two to three years, and they're going to get to that, that, that point where they can go out there. Well, Eddie, we, personnel is destiny, and you're describing people who I haven't heard one word from you about uh, hype and branding right. and all that stuff that, that Branson has built his career on while, while leaving a trail of disaster behind him with multiple failed companies that nobody ever talks about. They only just talk about the exciting, cool thing that Branson's doing now. Uh, New Mexico got completely snookered by that scam artist, that Euro trash huckster. Uh, I'm not surprised uh, about the attitude and the quality of the people you met last night. Not at all. Yeah, I actually met them this morning out front. So I came out this morning. I saw the passengers last night. The woman that was going to eat at the restaurant here at the uh, the Stanton, at the uh, Stanton house here. She had glitter in her hair that looked like stars. I'm like, that's strange. I'm like, what that is? And I'm like, oh, I had no idea Blue Origin was here. So the thing about those vehicles that I sent you pictures of, their electric vehicles that they have, their electric mm-hmm. trucks, uh, Tigo and Tracy uh, knew immediately what they were um, when I was talking to them about it earlier today. And they said, are they those... And, and something and they have like these weird lights and the dashboard I barely sort of peeked in but there's basically like no gas there's no pedal there's no pedal on the, the vehicle okay wow. it's basically two switches there's one iPad in front of you and one iPad to the right of you and just a steering wheel basically so you know what that tells me I think these vehicles much like the vehicle that I have it sort of drives itself you know it's basically all push buttons I mean um, I think uh, you know I, I don't know if you've been in the the vehicle the Xfinity or the infinity excuse me but the infinity is all push button once you hit cruise control once you do everything everything's radar everything's reads and that's basically if you guys are looking for my Nordo report uh, here in the next few years I think you're gonna see it with some of these electrical vehicles Eddie were the those problem, trucks Nikola trucks and Nikola I yeah. yeah yeah Nikola They're not even yeah. available to the general public yet so. <clears throat> Well, I will say one. <laughs> yeah, I will say one thing that I am. Uh, yeah, who manufactures those? Is it? That's, a company. It's, a company. it's a yeah, Nikola Corporation. Yeah, they're they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Um, um, Based in but, Phoenix, not not New Mexico. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been to the showroom in Scottsdale. So oh, okay. I've, right, right, yeah, right. yeah, I've seen that. But they're on pre-order. It's one of those weird things. Like when I had gone to Scottsdale, I don't know, like four or five years ago, when Teslas weren't even a thing. Now Teslas. If you drive through Scottsdale. It's like every other woke Californian has it with their vanity plates. And you literally want to just climb out of your vehicle and start beating the tar to them at the intersection. Uh, L.A. riot style. I mean, you just hate that, right? Because, you know, between their $100,000, you know, um, uh, ring, their $200,000 vehicle and their $3 million house, you know, all they care about is not feeling guilty about all the money right. that they've made because the real estate prices have gone through the roof and it's like stealing. It's like stealing just all because we had cheap money. So those days of milk and honey are gone. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Take us out, Eric. Uh, Dowd, great job this week. And uh, I will see you all back on Monday right in the key. Come back home, young man. Yeah, I will uh, I will be back home uh, manana. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I've got a couple of business propositions here I'm looking at uh, as well. So uh, they like the rock of talk in El Paso as well. We'll see you guys bright and early 4 p.m. on Monday. And I'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. with Tigo and Tracy to kick off a whole day long broadcast. Treats again.
This is The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. (laughs) 